0: See, 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 see
1: episode of the needless things podcast where we talk about toys movies music and all manner of pop culture dorkery i am your host phantom troublemaker and when you talk about pop culture dorkery nothing comes to the forefront quite so much as star wars it is time for us to celebrate the corporately mandated may the fourth celebration as in may the fourth be with you That's kind of hard to say without feeling like you're lisping or something. Uh, Yes, I am not above corporately determined online internet synergy. Because honestly, part of, not the difficulty, but part of the process of doing a podcast, running a website, is figuring out just what to write or talk about. So when there's something out there that's low-hanging fruit, I am going to reach up and grab it and run with it. So today's podcast is, yes, it is not May the 4th, the day that this posts, but I don't post on Wednesdays, so we are preemptively celebrating. And uh, you can go back and listen to it on May the 4th. If you want to download it and then just save it, Uh, you can get it from iTunes, from Stitcher, uh, from all the great places where you can find podcasts that I still don't quite understand how all that works. And also from NeedlessThingsSite.com. dot com. But uh save it for the fourth if if you so desire, but I can guarantee you it's gonna be a fun time either way. Because our good buddy Chad J. Shonk, who has been wanting to do this episode well I, I have as well, but it was his idea for, for he and I to sit down and just have a, a big old Star Wars nerd out talking about the expanded universe, about the current state of things, about Rogue One. We, we touch on lots of different stuff here and realize, you know, about an hour and a half through that we'd barely scratch the surface of what we want to talk about. So we will be doing it again. Uh, I've got a couple other ideas for Star Wars things that, that we might do in the future, Maybe closer to when Rogue One drops. Drops? Who am I? What is that? Uh, but yes, Star Wars is the theme of the day. Uh, I want to. I, I did say I, I only release shows on Fridays, and that's correct. Every single Friday at NeedlessThingsSite.com you'll find a new episode of the Needless Things podcast. Uh, last week, I released on Thursday and just real quick I want to address that uh it was a my memories of Prince because it was almost a a physical hurt when I got the news and why it was because I don't think I discussed this in that episode but he was just it was so unexpected he wasn't old by any standards uh except for maybe like kids oh 57 that's that's old that's not old that's not old at all and I think that's a lot of why I I was just destroyed by the news of his passing and and didn't know what to do with myself so I sat there and I recorded and uh, even though Mike Gordon and I had recorded an entire episode already about DC Comics Rebirth I, I put that on the shelf that'll go up in a couple of weeks here and, and I just, I had to get that out there. So I hope nobody took that as as crass or as me jumping on something uh, to get attention because it certainly wasn't intended that way. I, I didn't put any ads in that one. It was just what it was and it had to happen. Uh, and I'm still quite upset because I think the world lost a major force for love and joy in in the passing of Prince. And I hope that in in celebrating his life, You know, maybe it'll bring some people together. But speaking of ads, it's time to get back to business as usual, and I've got to tell you about two great podcasts from some pals of mine. First of all, the second episode of Unknown Caller is available now, featuring the fear of death by a sort of chocolate and a mudslide of karma. You want to check out the Unknown Caller podcast at soundcloud.com slash unknown caller. You can also go to Facebook and Tumblr and check out the uh, the Unknown Caller pages and find out what's going on. Keep track of this great new show where anonymous callers tell stories to a voicemail box. What story would you tell if no one knew it was you? Call 303 303- Eight zero zero five four three two to share your story today and get on the Unknown Collar Podcast. Once again, that is Unknown Collar, SoundCloud.com slash Unknown Collar. And the second thing I'm going to put over is Death Paw by our buddy Sean, also known as Red Ranger. You can go to deathpod.com and check out the very first episode of the Death Podcast. Eh? Get it? Eh? Huh? Uh, about Batman versus Superman and the general dissatisfaction that friends of the Needless Things podcast, Arian, Jason, Sean, and Chad felt over uh, Batman vs. Superman. It is uh, two hours of seething hatred and nerd dissatisfaction. And I'm glad that there's an outlet for it and that the guys got together and did this thing. And hopefully... Sean will continue soldiering on with the death pod cast eh? and uh, keep putting good episodes out there and, and providing uh, sort of an alternative, I guess, to what we do here on the needless things podcast. So Sean, obviously, will be back on the show sooner than later, and uh, maybe I'll show up on the death pod eh? cast uh, soon. So there you go. There, there are some ads. And I, I really do hope that you guys check out Unknown Collar and, and uh, Death Paw and follow those things on Facebook and Twitter and you know all the great places honestly it it's funny i always feel compelled to give out specific twitter handles and facebook pages and all that sort of thing but i mean if you google this stuff you're going to find it all it's 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 all out there it's easy enough if something catches your ear that you're you're probably more likely to google it than to look for the specific thing on the page i told you about anyway so but check that stuff out. Uh, it's going to be lots of excellent stuff out there for you to listen to. And I'm very proud to have people that I consider friends and, and certainly associates doing great stuff. So today, we got to get to the show because we've got another big one for you. It's great. It's fun. We cover a lot of different aspects of the Star Wars galaxy, uh, including now known as Legends, uh, but once referred to as the Expanded Universe... And the current Expanded Universe, which I'll tell you right now, I don't have a lot of experience with. I've read uh, a book and some excerpts and uh, half a book, and it's so far it's not for me, which is very uh, disappointing, because the Expanded Universe is really where I lived for years with Star Wars, so... Uh, but it's it's a good conversation. You guys are going to enjoy it. And we're going to get to it right after some music. A little different this week, rather than our pals the Mystery Men, because they don't have any Star Wars songs, uh, we are going to go to our pals Grand Moff Tarkin, who back in the day when the special editions came out were a Star Wars-themed band that wore full... Costumes that they made themselves. Uh, this is we're talking '97 here, so they were literally making these costumes from scratch. Uh, they had a singer by the name of Jim Stacy, who you guys have heard on the podcast before, dressed up as Darth Vader, big dude yelling into a, a voice uh, a, a mic in his mask. Uh, Stormtroopers, Boba Fett, like they made all of this stuff. I think they had a couple of. Uh, Imperial guards at one point. I want to say Uh, it was amazing and impressive, uh, and it got enough uh, attention to receive a cease and desist from Lucas, which was then kind of glossed over at at some point. I think I think he never officially gave them the okay, but also was kind of like you know go ahead, whatever. Uh, But I, I love Grand Moff Tarkin. I wish that there was a better quality recording of their music. But, you know, back then, you kind of recorded it, got it out, and, and, and did it. And you can still enjoy the raw energy of the Star Wars rock and roll, and you're going to enjoy some of it right now. This is Grand Moff Tarkin.
0: us Iceland spaceport, you will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Freaking After 24-6 Double moves have got me Don't know what I'm smothering bitch Most, most, most isolated I'm on the burn, most isolated Most, most, most isolated I'm on the burn, most safe The loss of paper ball most 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 I most 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 I How's it I'm gonna get so sorry. I'm gonna get me some workin' those most, most, most I'm gonna burn
1: Uh, Yeah, we'll go ahead and start now, Chad. Welcome back to the show. We're going to keep the intro brief because we want to talk about Star Wars for as long as we can talk about Star Wars. Because you and I have both been wanting to record this episode for a while. We're doing it. We're We're doing doing it. it. And and log up up your daughters. What What better time than May the Fourth? Well, almost May the Fourth because I don't post on Wednesdays or whatever the fourth is. But
2: we're doing it in advance. uh, if if anyone listening to this has ever been attracted to me in a physical way, uh, I'd like to go ahead and probably tell you not to listen to this unless you find, <laughs> unless you find Star Wars sexy. Um, well, who doesn't because, really? Because I'm gonna yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna get deep. And also, my friend Chuck, uh, he after listening to the first one we did about the Force Awakens teaser, he texted me and said, "I've known you for you know like 15 years." To this day, I never quite understood how much you dumb it down when you talk Star Wars with me. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you really dumb it down when we talk Star Wars with you. I'm like, well, so let's make it, this one even more impenetrable. Well, um, it's,
1: And it's tough because you know I, I'm a guy that I'm very attached to my point of view, obviously, as most people are. But to the point where it doesn't always occur to me that people have not had the same experiences that I have had. So conversationally, sometimes I I tend to get a little lost and it's interesting that you say, you know, you dumb it down when talking about Star Wars because that is something that we have to be conscious of. In anybody that's nerding out over any specific thing, you do have to realize like not everybody might love that thing as much as you love it. Not everybody has read everything you've read. And and even, uh, we'll, we'll discover this as we talk. There are many things that you are Intimately familiar with that are are actually outside of my Star Wars expertise, so I, I'm actually looking forward to that stuff a lot.
2: But you're still so you're still sore
1: about that Trivial Pursuit game. I, I will never let that go. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, not even that though. Uh, there, there's I what I'm anxious to talk to you about are The the role playing stuff, the West End games, because oh, I'm absolutely. aware I'm aware of their importance. But as far as the details go, and I, I know a little bit. Well, we'll get there first. I'm still I, still I, playing I, it. I yeah. want to find out how chad shonk got to this day that we're recording as the star wars fan that you are
2: Hmm. okay this is a 36 year long story that i'll try to condense i first saw a new hope star wars i guess as it was known uh i think it was the network television debut uh it would have been around 1980 because it was hosted by and i have a very clear memory of this it was hosted by Billy D. Williams, oh. in what looked to be a cheap ass diorama of the Most Eisley Cantina. <laughs> I think it was on NBC, but I'm not sure. I, I, I knew about Star Wars. I was only four. Uh, I knew about Star Wars. I knew about you know I'd seen toys and pictures and stuff. I like, knew who Luke Skywalker was or whatever. But my parents let me stay up way too late. It was probably even a Sunday night when they used to do the like movies yeah. of the week. Yeah,
1: whatever. that used to be that used to be the big movie night
2: yeah they used to do a movie night on people't remember this they used to show like a a big movie on network television um and and it was a big deal when it happened, you know when it was making its network debut. It was a big deal It wasn't like when it just now it's like you know it debuts on u s a at or some point you know right right this is this was like it was appointment t v and I was too young to see it when it came out in theaters and uh so I watched it and I sat transfixed for it was probably three hours with commercials, maybe more. Um, stayed up way too late and I didn't know what was happening all the time uh, as even adults don't always the first time they see it but especially as a child yeah yeah I definitely didn't have any grasp on the politics or the bigger world I just know it looked amazing and that it was so fun and, and everything but then then Han Solo flew down out of the sun to save the day and at the end. Uh, I will always argue that, to me, my greatest Star Wars moment in the movies is the last half hour of A New Hope. The, the 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 attack on the Death Star captured my imagination so much. I was on the edge of... Well, I wasn't on my seat. I was on the floor of my face, like in the TV, watching it, because I was four. I didn't know that, of course, the good guys were going to win. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, of course, Han was going to come back. You know, the cynical you know, guy who doesn't care about anything, of course he comes back and grows a heart of gold and saves the day. That's how movies work, especially how adventure movies, family-friendly adventure movies work. But I didn't know that when I was four. Right, right. So when Han shows up and gives the Yahoo and the Falcon flies down out of the sun, I just lost my shit. I was so excited that Han came back when it was painfully obvious he was going to looking back on it now
1: let me let me ask you something then that's very interesting that you mentioned that because I, i didn't know that about uh your your fandom yeah do you think because that last half hour had such a profound effect on you and is your your favorite part do you think maybe and this goes back to our our force awakens discussion that's why the the end of force awakens fell a little flat for you
2: uh, the Star Killer stuff did, yeah. The the X Wing stuff did because it didn't. Uh,
1: you know, it worked fine for me. I didn't think it was incredible, yeah. but it, it wasn't anything that I gave any negative thought to. I didn't think, eh, that's, uh that's whatever. I I enjoyed it. I dug it. I thought it was cool. But you definitely received it kind of negatively, and I'm wondering now if it's because yeah. it was echoing something that was so powerful for you personally.
2: The, the Battle of Yavin resonated with me so so much. It was the combination of uh, the tension. Uh, again, it was, it was not knowing how it was going to end. Um, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was the combination of the tension, the effects, the, uh, the stakes of it. You know, I mean, I mean, the, the thing that I think that movie does really well in that last half hour in that last battle is that everyone is involved that you've gotten to know over the movie. It's not split up. It's not like when we get to Return of the Jedi where, you know, it's three different stories that are related, but there's still three different things, yeah. right? You know, it's everybody is doing the same thing. And if Luke doesn't get his job done, Leia and 3PO are going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? And so everybody, the stakes are there for every one of the characters that we know and love and hate in the movie because Vader's there and Tarkin's there. Right? So it's all coming together. And I just remember seeing the, you know, Death Star be arranged and five minutes, Death Star be in range in two minutes. You know, the Death Star is in range and just freaking the fuck out. And that seg- that segment has so much impact on me. And I think it's, you said, I feel, still think, maybe not my favorite Star Wars, like, individual moment, but definitely my favorite sequence because of what it did to me and because of how it, it's the moment that I know I was hooked. I do know that's the moment I was hooked because I cared about what was going to happen quite a bit. Even if I hadn't understood everything that happened before it, I cared about Luke, and I cared about Leia, and I cared about Han, and I hated the bad guys, and I, I wanted them to win. So it does; it did have an impact. on me. It probably does. I probably am a little more, you know, I, I like the I like the space battle stuff at the end of Return of the Jedi, but it doesn't have the impact either. And that's that's a good as,
1: point that they are separated, and that everybody's stakes aren't interconnected in that one. You know, if Luke,
0: yeah.
1: uh, if if Luke hadn't accomplished what he set out to accomplish, it would have had far ranging results. But as far as the climax of the movie. They still could have. you yeah. know, I mean, Rebels Luke would have died, have but
2: right, Luke would have died, but they still would have blown everything up. I mean, right. it's very, and that's fine, and that's part of making a sequel, you know, and getting it scaled out and making everything bigger. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just feel in that, in that original space battle and if you go by it's very low-key and you're watching you you watch it with older eyes and you go why they only send three tie fighters or like six (laughs) tie fighters like shouldn't they just be swarming them you know like i mean there are logistical sure you know tactical things that don't make any sense um as well as the so there's just one hole in this giant thing that you could shoot a thing down and blow it all up you know what i've played video games that works
1: yeah that's i mean well and that's with any kind of fantasy entertainment yeah. There's a lot of stuff that, that, you know, it depends on the tone and the setting and what's been established and, and you accept stuff and you move along. I mean, that's what suspension it, of disbelief is all about.
2: I mean, if, if something doesn't bother you till the hundredth time you see it, then it's fine. Yes. Like, I never noticed that if Indiana Jones never left home and raised the Lost Ark, uh, things would be fine. Right. Because event, cause if he just let the Nazis get the Ark... They would have opened it and been melted.
1: Yes, same thing would have happened. Same result.
2: So you know, but I didn't notice because, but because the movie's so fucking rad, I don't notice that until like the 150th time I've seen it, and I go like, Indy never really needed to leave home. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I guess Marion might be dead because he wouldn't have been there to save Marion from that from the fire. Yeah. But besides that, I'm like, yeah, because and maybe would have been and better because you know maybe they brought would have brought it to Hitler. It, right, and he would have melted. Or and yeah.
1: not only that, uh, we would not have gotten Kingdom of the Crystal Skull
2: because Marion would have true. been dead. That's a, a that's a good point. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, so anyway, moving yeah, on
1: with Star Wars. So,
2: uh, so I I saw that movie and I became instantly obsessed. I wanted the toys. Oddly enough, I didn't. I saw Return of the Jedi before I saw Empire Strikes Back. Okay, but. However, I had the, because I was still young, I mean, mm-hmm. I was still four years old, I wasn't going to the movie theater very often. Well, that's, and, I,
1: I uh, in listening to your discovery of Star Wars, I, I really like that, because, you know, this, we're talking about, as these movies were were still active things, like, this is the early 80s, when they were still ongoing, but we did not have the media to experience them. It's not like we could pop in a copy of Star, uh, Star Wars, or New Hope, or whatever, anytime we wanted. And no. I saw. My parents took me to see A New Hope in the theater, but I was one. I don't remember it. I, I, you know, it's. I will kind of smirkingly use the little "I was there" thing, but <laughs> yeah, I, I might as well not have been. I, I, I my recollection is of Empire. That yeah. is the one that struck me first, and I'm actually a little jealous that you got to see Grand Moff Tarkin as a villain because to me he was always just a suit that was standing with Darth Vader because I empire is the one that penetrated me first that, that like I remembered and, and was playing with the toys and reenacting and all that sort of thing first. So to me, Tarkin was just some dude. He didn't really even have significance until I I got into the expanded universe stuff later. I mean, I, you know, I, he, he,
2: he was not my focus. You know, I was aware that he was the bad guy. Right. And I was aware that I didn't like him. He wasn't my focus. I was too scared of Vader to really care about the old guy. <laughs> um, and I obviously didn't have any historical context with Peter Cushing or anything like that. I didn't have any associations. I didn't know who the hell Alec right. Guinness was. Right, you know? right.
1: But back then um, we didn't, we didn't have the ability to say, oh, the new movie's coming out. I'm going to watch the other ones before I go see it.
2: No, no, you ha- didn't have that. But what I did have was I had the book on tape. Of Empire Strikes Back yes, And I had that before Return of the Jedi And I had that thing memorized So even though I hadn't seen Empire Strikes Back I was able to go on the Return of the Jedi uh, That's 8307 I was able to Go into Return of the Jedi when it opened And not be lost for a second because I had the book on tape, absolutely memorized, and you knew where it had left off. So, so I knew the story. Yeah, I knew the whole story. So it, it, it's it's not that it was a replacement for the movie, but it, actually, no, it was story wise, it was a replacement for the movie. I didn't, I didn't need to see the film because I had already lived the story hundreds of times.
1: Yeah, and, so, and in certain ways, probably more satisfyingly.
2: Uh, in a way, yeah. I mean, it was definitely. It would have been better. I mean, it's better than having you know not read it at all you know i yeah. mean it would have been a little worse but i so i saw that and then I, I was i knew that really well and then went into return of the jedi uh it's the first movie i think i ever saw twice in the movie theater um and uh i remember you know when you're a kid i mean i still love return of the jedi but as a kid you just i mean the ewoks don't bother you um the starlight pit scene is fantastic it, it really captures your imagination when you're a kid um, my brother and I had this embankment at our uh, our old house in Ohio, and we would stay at the top of it and then fight each other. And if you hit the sidewalk, you were eaten by the sarlacc. You know, it was like <laughs> just, just different games like that.
1: I, I liked the sarlacc better when we we didn't know what what was in that pit of carcoon.
2: No, I, yeah, I don't love the I don't I don't love the beak.
1: It's but. not terrible, but I, I like it. better. again, that Hitchcock thing—you know, your mind is picturing something.
2: So if it had been worse. there from the get-go, we, we wouldn't care. Right, we wouldn't um, care. No, 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 yeah. you're right. But so, so I got hooked on... So I, I loved... I absolutely loved Return of the Jedi. And then when they came out on video, on VHS, um, my dad's friend was one of those uh, crazy first adopters who had, get this, two VCRs. Whoa. Right? And that was a big deal back then. Yeah. And so we rented all three Star Wars movies when they came out on video and he dubbed them all onto a six hour ELP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Video cassette. And my brother and I would, because my brother is not as deep as I am into it, but he, he knows the Star Wars pretty well. I definitely knows the original movies really well. Mm-hmm. And because we would come home from school, we would press play on the VCR wherever it was on the tape We would play with toys, we would do whatever, sometimes with G.I. Joe, whatever, but we'd still have Star Wars on the background. And when it was time for dinner, we'd press stop. And then the next day we'd come home and we'd press play. And then when it got to the end of Return of the Jedi, we'd rewind it all the way back to the beginning and start over. I love that. And it was nonstop. There were a couple other movies that worked their way in there, Goonies every once in a while, or um, uh, even even the, later on, the, the Ewok movies actually became part of that rotation. Because I was so thirsty for Star Wars that – because what a lot of people don't realize, is, especially if they're, you're younger and Star Wars has been around, you know, has been fairly ubiquitous since 1999, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, you know, when when the prequels were over, it didn't go away. Um uh, in the in the public mind, due to cartoons and everything, but also just merchandise, you know you can you could still go to the store and buy a Star Wars greeting card, which I, I, I would say do with nineteen eighty six. I would say you know? since
1: ninety five uh, or or maybe if not ninety five then at least when the special editions hit because that, yeah, I mean that yeah, is when 90, 95 is when Kenner started putting toys out again. And yeah. it got some attention, but then ninety seven.
2: Those the power of the force, horns, Yes, uh, well, yeah.
1: the the like superhero looking Luke with the giant buff chest and, and all. yeah, I've
2: got I've got a bunch of those.
1: But yeah. that was ninety five. Those launched again, and for me, as a toy guy, for me, that's when Star Wars came back. But I think for the public at large, it was when ninety seven, when the special yeah. editions started coming out, yes. uh, that was huge. And once it came back into theaters, I think it was in the public consciousness uh you know and that was it
2: well there was a fallow period in in a lot of ways um after return of the jedi but there was still stuff um yeah yeah there were the there were the han Han solo novels there were the lando calrissian novels which are all very good by the way people don't give those books enough credit they're really good pulpy little sci-fi books yeah they are and and Um,
1: you're right they're they're to a certain extent they're some of the best of the expanded universe because they capture the sp- the original spirit of Star Wars, like Lucas's intention, yeah. a lot better than than some of the other stuff does.
2: And then there was also Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the as a, the weirdest Star Wars book ever. I loved uh,
1: it the first time I read it.
2: It's 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 the it's the it's the first ever Star. It's the first Star Wars sequel. Yes. You know, it's Empire Strikes Back is not the first sequel to Star Wars. It's Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But they, um, so I, I read those books, and then yeah, I, I kept it alive by just watching the movies over and over again. They were infinitely watchable to me. And then in the early '90s, two things happened. Um, like I said I, I now watched droids and I watched Ewoks, uh, the cartoons, uh, and then the the two Ewok movies I watched the hell out of. Not because they were great, but because they were Star Wars.
1: Yeah, real quick, let's talk about those because they, you know, we we all know that the Ewoks were specifically geared towards kids. Yeah, they're polarizing. Yes. Which I I went through a phase where I hated them, and I've come back around, and I I love them. Uh, But the, the Ewok movies and then the Droid and Ewok cartoons, as a kid, I remember wanting to like them. But they not really liking them, like they were start. Like you said, I, I was thirsty for Star Wars. And Do you know who
2: wrote the uh, pilot to to the the Ewok show? And wrote several episodes.
1: Uh, no, Paul Dini. Oh, no kidding! Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I didn't know that.
2: I didn't know that. The uh, you know main voice behind Batman he, the animated series, creator he's of Harley Quinn,
1: all over the place prior to yeah. Batman
2: the animated. Series. He wrote I mean, for guess, Fat Albert.
1: Everybody all has to start somewhere.
2: Yeah, he wrote for Fat Albert. He well, did all these yeah, other things. Yeah, yeah, because
1: he's mentioned in uh, the Filmation book that I, I recently finished, uh, Lou, Lou Shamer's sort of biography of Filmation. And he talks yeah. fondly about Paul Dini
2: and his years of working with Filmation. The man's, the man's wonderful. He's, he's a really great writer. Um, yes. So... But in the early 90s, two things happened. Uh, One, I picked up a copy of, because in 1987, West End Games, a role-playing company, they had made a Ghostbusters role-playing game. Um... That oh, was wow. based on a that. that was based on a d6 system. If you're a role playing player, there's you know there's different types of systems depending on what type of dice you use. And they developed a system that only used six sided die as opposed to like the Dungeons and Dragons where you use like five or six different types.
1: Well, it seems like it makes sense though because Ghostbusters is something you're going to want to appeal. Try anyway, to appeal. You've got a big name. You've got a yes. potentially wide audience, and I think you want to keep it simple.
2: They wanted to try to keep it simple, and so then in 87, they acquired the license to do a Star Wars role-playing game.
1: Which is crazy, if you think about it.
2: Yeah, and I didn't, well, because at the time, the property wasn't worth anything. I mean, it was not nearly what it is today. Well, but you're,
1: you're right, though, it, because in toy stores, like, all of the figures you found were on clearance. There there were tons yeah. of that last power of the Jedi just clogging up the pegs. Like, yeah. it it didn't, we still loved it, but it didn't feel cool anymore. No, and it
2: wasn't. It wasn't. It it became, as much as a pop culture phenomenon as the original movies were, it then receded into the world of nerddom, right? It receded into being a nerdy thing to still like Star Wars. I mean, people may still like the movies and they'd watch them when they were on TV, but to really be into it was on the same level as being into Doctor Who or Star Trek or Dungeons and Dragons or, at that time, comic books. You know, It was still a, a nerdy pursuit. And But West End Games put out the role-playing game, and I, I think I started – and then they put out a second edition of the role-playing game in nine, 1990, something like that. And that's when I first picked it up because me and my friends played Dungeons & Dragons. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. But what was great about the West End Games books is they had, they had source books.
1: They were written they by had, insane people.
2: By insane people who – uh, and we'll get into this later. Who had a profound effect on what we know is the expanded universe, and I would say still have a profound effect on what is what is the current expanded current universe. Yes,
1: absolutely. there are things
2: in Force Awakens, there are things mentioned in Force Awakens that are directly from the West End books.
1: Well, even identifying it, the type of ship that Millennium Falcon is—that's um, what I was about to point came- out. When they
2: say it's when they say it's a YT class freighter. That, that comes from the source books, and that made me
1: giddy because I, I am as much as I never played the game and never had any of the yep. source books. Just being a fan over the years, I've gleaned you know all of that stuff the the identification for ships and and weapons and the, everything
2: all came the, from the that. Rebels mentions the ISB, the Imperial yes. Security Bureau. That's yes. straight out of the Imperial source book because they put out these source books. The Imperial source book, the Rebel source book. I have the Death Star technical manual. Right, there are these things that they came out for the role-playing game that established so much of the world that was outside of the movies, and and were just even if you didn't play the game, I highly recommend just sitting down and reading them. You well, know, the Imperial and, Sourcebook outlines the command structure of the Empire,
1: and it filled in the world that was seen in the movies. Because let's face it, yes. um, yep. the, as fun as the original trilogy is to watch. It's not exactly packed with information. Like they just do stuff. You you don't know what anything. Like they don't identify things. They don't explain anything. You just are kind of along for the ride. And these guys and that, at West End Games sat down and were like, "We're going to define this stuff. We're going to make it. We're, we're going to put it into a logical world."
2: Well, I think I think, and I think that is. I think that is to the movie the this film's merit. Oh yes, that yes, yes, It doesn't bog you down too much. Exactly. But if you oh, were yeah. someone who was geeky and wanted to go deep. Um, then, yeah, these books, just they just outline the world. And if you you know anything about role-playing games, if you create a role-playing game, you need to create as much detail and as much lush kind of intricacies as possible so that the person running the adventure has a context to, to, to play in. Well, and also and- it's
1: helpful just for, oh, now that I know this thing about this ship, I can use that in the story I'm telling.
2: Right, and it, it invented some ships, that have been used in other sources it, it it you know the idea of the imperial interdictor cruiser which is uh, basically a star destroyer that pulls ships out of hyperspace because it's got this gravity well in it that was created in those west end books and they have they had that on star wars rebels
1: didn't all the tie variations come from there as well or is that from the video games
2: um, i think it's a little uh, most of that's from the tie fighter video game okay because uh, the interceptor my favorite games ever
1: i think the interceptor well, no, we see bombers, that, too. That
2: per, we see bombers in The Interceptors in, in Return of the Jedi yeah, and, yeah. and everything. But uh, those were just the, the only three variants we see. Um, things like the Tide Defender and all that stuff, that came out of the video games, okay. out of the LucasArts games. But So at the same time I was getting into that Star Wars role-playing game, uh, 1991 comes out Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire. Yes. And I was at the mall. I distinctly remember I was at the mall my mom. I'm in high school and but I'm like a freshman and I we're, we're, we we go to the Walden books at the mall. Um, uh, ask your parents, kids. My and,
1: gosh, I miss Walden books.
2: And Ugh. there was this book and it was this big blue hardback, blue, big blue cover that said Star Wars on it and it's Han and Luke and Leia and Chewie, and I was like. Well, what is this? And I picked it up and it said five years after return of the Jedi. Yeah. And I went, Holy fuck. (laughs) And, you know, and the first thought was, Oh, is this episode seven, eight, nine, you know, you have that thing in your head. Like, is this, are they finally doing a seven, seven, eight, nine as a book or whatever? Um, and so I bought it and devoured it. And, you know, obviously in, in, the that original Thrawn trilogy is really still really good, and it, it is the basis of the expanded universe. Well, Thrawn, I would say uh,
1: Thrawn is my favorite Star Wars villain.
2: Yeah, I would say those book that those three books plus the West End plus West End games are the foundation that the expanded universe is built on, mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of created created the the entire thing. And the, yeah, and it, it had. You know, And if you look back at it now, there are things in there that contradict things that we know now from the movies. But in general, they were really good stories. And *Air to the Empire was a bestseller. And it showed that there was still a thirst for Star Wars out there. And it, it was the boom that created the expanded universe. And then in 92 or maybe later in 91, Dark Horse had got the rights to do Star Wars comics, which hadn't happened since Marvel um, had, since Marvel's, let's be honest, fairly lackluster run. Yeah. On Star Wars comics. And they came out with Dark Empire. And I remember seeing Dark Empire number one at the comic book store and having the same reaction, like, what the fuck is this? Right? And this is six years after Return of the Jedi. And it had this we kinda of dark look to it, but it was you know, it was, it was, it was dark, it was it was um uh moody, it didn't look like Star Wars, but it had all the characters.
1: Well, it but it felt because Cam Kennedy's art,
2: yeah, it was was he could draw oh he could draw ships like nobody else, yes. ships and, and everything, and it introduced and that's the other thing too, it introduced new ships like the E wing fighters and the uh, V nine uh, vigilance, the interceptor, I think the V nine interceptor, whatever it's called, it, it introduced all these kind of new ships, and and I remember the moment in it that really got me was I think it's in the end of episode two where Han takes Leia to hide out on Nar Shaddaa, the smuggler's moon. Um uh something that has survived uh, all the way up through rebels and everything, but. yes,
1: which is wonderful because I always love that concept
2: but he but in that Han goes to his old apartment and and I love the idea that it gave you know of course. You know, yeah, Han lives in his ship, but he probably had a I mean, these characters have a life outside of this and, yes. and what the books were able to do is kinda of create that. But he gets there and he's got his old droid, that's kind of his his droid that works there, and the droid all the droid can say is a Mr. Fett to see you, sir, a Mr. Fett to see you, sir, a Mr. Fett to see you, sir. <laughs> and I ju- I just screamed. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my god, Boba Fett's gonna be and the cover of the next issue is Boba Fett. And so that, and then West End Games started doing source books based on these novels and comics. So there's an Heir to the Empire source book, there's a Dark Empire source book, so if you wanted to incorporate any of the stuff from that into your role-playing game, you could. And so there was just all of a sudden this wealth of information, and then there were more books, uh, Kath, God, I forget her name, Kathy Tires, something like that, a Truce of ba- Bacura, um Dave Wolverton's "The Courtship of Princess Leia," which is a story about Han and Leia getting married, um, uh, where it's got a great Han Solo moment where she's considering marrying this other person, this other this prince, you know, trying to form an alliance. Hapen prince, yeah, Prince Isolder or whatever, yes. and and so Han uh, stuns her and kidnaps her in the Falcon.
1: <laughs> which, the, real quick, I, I want to before we get too much deeper into the expanded yeah. universe stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah.
1: Uh, So because there's well, I I just want to say this real quick. We we've gotten into the books because I, I, my grandmother kept me up on books. She is very literary. She's the one that got me reading, And, and when I say literary, I just mean she devoured books in the same way that I used to when I had more time. And she's the one that got me into the you know read as many books as you can, read a book a day if you can. Uh, She got me into Stephen King and Dean Kuntz, and uh, she was in the Walden Books Book Club and bought me a membership. And she would cut things out of newspapers about books and things that she thought I'd be interested in and send them to me from North Carolina. And so I knew that Timothy Zahn's first book, I knew that Heir to the Empire was coming out before it hit. And I I was not – you know we didn't have internet. You know, we didn't. The back then, more often than not, you found out about new things by walking into the store and seeing them.
2: Absolutely, yeah. But because my mom was the same way. By the way, I don't ever remember my parents as a child. I remember plenty of times they wouldn't buy me a toy. I don't remember any time they wouldn't buy me a book.
1: Yes, yeah, and and that's I, I was definitely in that same boat. And uh, so Granny sent me the article and. It detailed about how it was a, such a big deal, because I, I, I wouldn't even have recognized that it was a big deal, necessarily, because I, I didn't, you know, I, I was in high school, like, freshman in high school, and I don't know that yeah. I had a concept of franchises, really, even. So, yeah. but the article made it a big deal, like, this is, you know, Lucasfilm has given them permission to start telling stories about the post Return of the Jedi world—it's crazy. It's it's and this is coming out. So we had my mom had I don't know that she pre-ordered it because I don't know that you could do that back then. But I had she brought it home to me like when I got home from right. school, it was waiting for me, and I read it. I, I can't say I read it that night, but I read it in a couple of days, and and it was amazing. But that that started me down the expanded universe uh, trail, which you know so well. Yeah. What, what's troubling me now is I'm seeing it seems to be a thing like many internet things are to go back and shit on the expanded universe
2: yeah I want to talk about that a little bit
0: uh,
1: and I love there are books that I didn't love as much as other books but I never read one that I thought was bad I never read one that I thought was poorly written I never read one that I thought poorly represented the galaxy the universe whatever I'm and sorry are you
2: familiar with the works of Troy Denning because I think he wrote some really bad books but anyway I, I I am but yeah. I uh, people but there were Star Wars I still read them yeah and, and even if his name was on it and I didn't like him I mean I knew I didn't like Troy Denning novels yet I kept reading troy denning novels because they were star wars
1: and and i'm not saying they were all well written but to me none of them shit on star wars none of them were inappropriate and there seems to be a thing now where people in fact i've seen a series of articles from one individual going back and basically tearing apart specific expanded universe books and uh you know very clearly it's an internet thing oh this is going to get me hits Yeah, You can can, can tear anything apart. You can be negative about anything.
2: Oh, trust me. I can't. Yeah, I can be (laughs) negative about
1: anything. (laughs) Uh, But it's annoying to me because these are things, you know, like anything that you love, when somebody starts attacking it, uh, it, it's
2: bothersome. I I would definitely – I want to read something to you real fast. Um, Just quick. Uh, Quote. After Star Wars was, rele- was released, it became apparent that my story, however many films it took to tell, was only one of thousands that could be told about the characters who inhabit this galaxy. Inhabit this galaxy, But there were not stories that I was destined to tell. Instead, they, were, they would spring from the imagination of other writers, inspired by the glimpse of the galaxy that Star Wars provided. Today, it is an amazing, if unexpected, legacy of Star Wars that so many gifted writers are contributing new stories to the saga. That is from, that is from George Lucas in the introduction to the re-release of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Um, that was put out in 1990 because I think he ends it with, "It seems only fitting after all these years that Splinter would be republished as I prepare once again to write another further adventure set in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away." Um, that, that so this would have been about 98 when he was gearing up to do the prequels. And they re- they they were they did a big push so there were they reprinted the Han Solo novels as like one big anthology book. Yeah, yeah. And they reprinted some of those books. And Sponge of the Mind's Eye was one of them. So I just wanted to read that because people who say that the expanded universe isn't Star Wars are wrong. Um that people who say that, you know I I've come to this conclusion. There are people that are star wars fans and there are people who are fans of the star wars movies yes and those are very different things because star wars is and has always been a multimedia experience the 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 novelization of star wars uh written by alan dean foster but with george lucas's name on it Mm -hmm. came out before the movie it was released in 1976 and it was released kind of to drum up a little bit of excitement in the fantasy community right right and the start you know but the first line of that book I have my first edition right here in front of me the first line is another galaxy another time not a long time ago in a galaxy far far away wow I, ne- and, I never knew that and in this book in the prologue it tells you more about the state of the galaxy than the movie does at all and um, and actually, this is the first time where the word set, Palpatine was ever written be, is in this introduction. They call him while the ambitious Senator Palpatine caused himself to be elected president of the Republic, chancellor later. But <laughs> but the fact is that people don't realize that that's Palpatine's not a word that's ever said in the original movies, right? Neither, by the way, is Organa. Leia's last name is never said in the original movies. Um, there are several things that come from outside sources that people just assume or a thing and, and they are but not but from outside sources but when people shit on the expanded universe or say like forget about it or I mean and, and I'm, I'm fine with doing that but the idea that it's not Star Wars and Star Wars is only the movies and that's all that matters it's bullshit it's always been this giant multimedia thing and if you like the movies that's great you know but you like them as movies to me there's so much more to it and the expanded universe is so much more and I, as much as I, l- I love the movies, clearly more of my experience with Star Wars comes from other material. Yes, comes from books and comics and video games. That's you know, I mean, my favorite video game of all time is Tie Fighter. You know, is the you know the, the X Wing vs. Tie Fighter series mm-hmm. for the PC. But Tie Fighter was like when I was like, wait, I get to fly a Tie Fighter or an X Wing. And fight against other, and blow up X wings like this is the most amazing thing ever, and and there was a, a little bit of a story to it. So, with people shooting the expanded universe, it's all Lucas is always Lucas condoned everything in the expanded universe. It was yes. all cleared by Lucasfilm. Um, one of the reasons I was upset at first when they jettisoned it, even though it was to be expected, was that it has been something that has been sold to me by Lucasfilm. For 20 plus years. And while Lucas had always said he had the right to override any of it if it got in the way of the movies. And there were certain things in the story that you weren't allowed to touch. Right? None of those original novels were allowed to go before New Hope. Right. Right? They weren't allowed to touch that. You weren't allowed to write, uh, you weren't allowed to talk about how Han and Chewie met. Uh, there, there were certain things, certain, certain little pockets that he wanted to hit on or maybe hit on that you weren't allowed to touch.
1: And for a very long time, they, they couldn't kill off uh, primary characters. Which, yeah, they
2: couldn't... Yeah, uh, well, it fun. depends
1: on your definition of primary character, but...
2: True, is a primary character. Yes, um, I, I agree. And,
1: so And they relented.
2: They, and they did eventually, and, and poor Ari Salvatore got death threats from it, which is ridiculous. Um, but they... So, so the the idea that the expanded universe doesn't count, and, all, and the people who who when they when Force Awakens comes out says you know Star Wars is back, my Star Wars nerd screams fuck you, right? Because it never went away. And when people say, and I know you said that, I, I went back and listened to our podcast that we recorded right after um, the movie uh, last night just to kind of prep myself and. You know, one of the, the themes was, and I understand why, but a lot of people mentioned it felt like Star Wars, and and what people were doing was, you said it, I think Arian said it, and I think when a lot of people say that, you know, or the headlines or you know the reviews are like Star Wars is back, and a lot of those reviews are basing it based that those are based on the prequels, on their dislike of the prequels, For Right? sure, and but to say that it feels like Star Wars to me that bothers me because Star Wars feels like so many things because, because of things like dark empire, because of the novels, because of the video games, because of clone wars, you know, on on television. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like there was a thing as feeling like Star Wars. I get what people mean. Um, I still argue that movie does not feel like the original movies. I think that movie feels like its own thing, just like the prequels feel like their own thing. But but this idea that, that that Star Wars was gone is not true. And just because someone wasn't paying attention to it or didn't enjoy the expanded universe, I know Will Wheaton on Tumblr has been very vocal about how the fact he doesn't didn't like he doesn't like the expanded universe. He'd read a couple things, so he ignores it, and that's fine. But ignoring it doesn't mean that it's not didn't it's not there. Well, nothing
1: um, nothing anybody ever says. Uh, not not a music uh, movie executive, not anybody at Lucasfilm or Disney not Will Wheaton will ever yep. take away what the expanded universe means to me and of course the years of my life that I spent immersed uh, more in the expanded universe than in the movies. I spent more I'm, time. I'm a historian. I spent more time with Han and Luke and Leia and everybody else in those novels than I did ever did in the movies.
2: Absolutely, and that's why I think when Force Awakens happens, everybody's so excited to see Han Solo. And don't get me wrong, so am I. I'm so excited to see Harrison Ford playing Han Solo.
1: But we've but, been with him for 30 but years. But I've so
2: been right. with Han for 30 years. Well,
1: shit, no, right. we've been with him for 50.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like I've been I've been reading, this, so, so to he, see a new story with Han Solo or a new story with Princess Leia, that's not new to me right. at all. It's great seeing the actors portraying them. And, and I still say I, you know, I'm am a total movie snob, but I would have given Harrison Ford a Best Supporting Actor nomination. I think he is phenomenal in Force Awakens. Um, he, in a career where I feel like he's winding down and hasn't delivered a great performance in a while, and and really, I hate to say it, but it feels like he's phoning it every once in a while. Um, he is not phoning in in Force Awakens, which is ironic since Star Wars is something that he actively kind of dislikes.
1: Well, let's uh, let's save Force Awakens talk for the close, yeah, absolutely. because absolutely. I want to I want to end on that and move yeah, into absolutely. Episode Eight before we get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, expanded universe means a tremendous amount to both of us. We spent a lot of time there. Uh, yes. and, and whatever anybody may say, it absolutely has influenced the on-screen product, uh, even up to The Force Awakens.
2: Even into the prequels. Um, yes. Uh, Quinlan, there's a mention of Quinlan Voss in Episode 3, uh, who is a Jedi that appeared in the Republic comic books um, and has been on Clone Wars. But he was a character created by someone else that Lucas liked the character that he'd seen on the book, so he, he has a little shout-out to him in the movie. Um, Obi Wan says something about General Voss is holding down the Outer Rim or something like I'm still that. Still
1: holding out hope that one day Dash Rendar is going to show up.
2: That's the other thing <laughs> I'd like to mention as well. I okay. think Shadows of the Empire should count. I think that that they should say, oh, "Fine, we're we're getting rid of the EU, but Shadows of the Empire matters because for people who don't know, Shadows of the Empire was a Star Wars movie." that took place in between Empire and Jedi that had everything that goes along with it except for a movie. Yeah. Video it had game, a novelization, toy line, novelization. Video game, toy line, it had a score.
1: Well, and the toy line was honestly revolutionary because, you know, at that point, Star Wars toys were from the movies, and that was it. And right. the fact that Hasbro, cause at the time Hasbro had bought Kenner, I think that had already happened. And to launch a toy line based on this video game was yep. a huge deal to make, you know, these, they, they did a full line of Shadow of the Empire toys. It was a big launch and it was all based on this completely new media and Lucas treated this thing. He just shy, it, just shy of being a new movie. The way that it launched, I mean it was it, it was a big was, deal in the media.
2: I have a score for a book. It's a completely original score by Joel McNeely that uses the Star Wars themes that it was a soundtrack as if there was a movie. It was everything but the film and it was sanctioned by Lucas, it was overseen by Lucas. Um, it had – it It, it introduces to cool new characters, but it told the story of what happens between Empire and Jedi in that year. And the – and I, I just think it should be part of it because it felt like more than any of the Expanded Universe thing, like an official Lucasfilm, this is part of the story. Yes. You know. Um, now there have been references to it on Rebels. They at the very least the Black Sun, which is the criminal organization they created for it. Which was it another delightful
1: referenced. moment to, to get that yeah. acknowledgement.
2: It doesn't mean Shadows of the Empire exists, it right. does mean that Black Sun exists. Well, and
1: just like with countries. everything that we get nods to, it means that they're aware of it and that when when it works, they will use the EU as a resource.
2: What I'm kind of seeing it is 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 kind of it's kind of a weird metaphor, but that they're re- that they've reinstalled Windows <laughs> on their computer, right? And so all the like the so so when you reinstall Windows, all your personal information goes away, all, all your files and all your browsing, all all that stuff goes away, but the the operating system's still there. The way it works is still there. The details are still there. So while they may not acknowledge certain stories, it doesn't mean the Imperial Security Bureau doesn't exist. It doesn't right, mean right. Black Sun doesn't exist. It's still part of the world. They just want to tell new stories, but they're leaving some of the fabric of the world there. Um, uh, and not as remnants, but as, yeah, no, this is part of the Star Wars world. We're just going to tell a different story. Well, and honestly, that's,
1: that's kind of how I'm looking at the EU is until – Something in the new media, so, you know, something post-Disney contradicts it,
2: it happened. Yeah, especially, I mean, the one things I think that are pretty safe are, like, the old Republic stuff. Yeah. The, um, you know, m- probably my favorite comics they ever did, the uh, Knights of the Old Republic series, um, uh, in the Sith War, Xr and all these characters. Um, uh, it would take place, like, 4,000 years before the movies. I think that stuff's pretty clear. Yeah, I don't for, think they'll
1: feel the need to go back there.
2: No, although I would recommend, I would do it. I would love to see that as a miniseries. Um, uh, I would love to see that as a live-action miniseries, but
1: I don't they, think we're ready for. No, I, well, the, I don't think the television cinema synergy is ready yet for some of the things that people talk about, like the Dark Tower thing that was going around
2: right. yeah but they're doing it with
1: marvel and but it's they're the same not. parent company no, they're, they're not doing it with marvel though because yes it's the same universe but they it doesn't we know it's not
2: but it's different stories but it's outside stories in the same universe i yeah. mean it does it still takes place in the same in the same universe and they you know Agents of shield whatever people think about it um and i actually think that it's you know, not a great show, but fair, but actually has become very enjoyable as the kind of pulpy comic booky show that it is. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Agent Carter, both seasons of it, and and I think there's more to come. And 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 look at, but you know, not just television, mean, television, but think about Netflix. I mean, you know, the, the the imagine a Netflix model, but with a Star Wars show, like they do with Daredevil or Jessica Jones. But but again, Daredevil
1: and Jessica Jones. I mean, essentially. They're calling it MCU because that's neat and people like that. But there's not much there. It doesn't need to be.
2: No, but they reference it.
1: it. Feel, well, they referenced it, but that show could have been exactly the same without the reference.
2: But do you think it it's happens, true? But do, you, do you not think Charlie Cox is ever going to show up in a, in a movie? No, I don't. See, I think he will. I, I, think
1: I don't will. think anything... Uh, from from television or from Netflix, will show up in a movie,
2: and I, yeah, I hope I, I I'm think, wrong. I, I, I think Charlie Cox will end up in a Spider-Man movie or something at some point. Um, uh, I, I think just, at least a small a small role at least. Um, I hope that
1: you're right, but I do not think that you are.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I hope so. I just think I just think that that they um you know when they say they were I was upset. Just like a lot of people were when they said they were going to stop the EU again, I wasn't surprised. Um, what's funny about it is they've started their new EU. <laughs> yeah, that's uh,
1: that's an excellent segue because yeah, we got to talk about that a little bit. I, I'll go yeah. ahead and say because I don't have much to yeah. say because yeah. I have not experienced much. Uh, yeah. I tried to read the Tarkin novel because yes. because now I have you know <laughs> unlike when I was a kid. Now, I do think of Tar- uh, Tarkin as a major villain, and I was dying to read this book, and honestly, it, it bored the crap out of me. I- I've had two or three times where I've tried to sit and read this thing, uh, and I get it. I get what they're doing. I'm just not interested in this story that they're yeah. telling.
2: Yeah, they didn't tell quite the story. I-, I thought it was okay, but that's a weird book because it's kind of a bridge. It. It's not part of the Road to Force Awakens books right. that they were pushing. Right. It was. It's been slated for a while from the old Luke from the old Del Rey Lucas books. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this thing where it came out after Disney bought it. So they've decided it's it's part of the their new EU, even though it was conceived of during the old EU. Right. Which so it's kind of a strange bridge book to come out. Did you read Dark Disciple?
1: Though? uh no no i have not well then Starks? that's what i was getting ready to say i have the only thing that i have read it in its entirety from the new novels is the one that was uh i can't remember what it's called right now it had the stories of Finn poe and ray
2: before the awakening yes yep.
1: i read that i enjoyed it uh it was you know there was, it was fluff but it was yeah. neat it was fun it you know it, it filled
2: in it, some stuff it, it yeah some it stuff.
1: very slightly expanded on their characters Uh, And then the other day, I did not read Aftermath because before I had an opportunity to pick it up, I heard a lot of people saying they did not like it. Oh, boy. The other day, I read an excerpt from the forthcoming book about Han.
2: Yeah. and Same same author.
1: It is written in the present tense.
2: So was Aftermath. Which
1: is so baffling to me and so off-putting. And I understand that's me. A lot of people. No, no, no! Sure. It's not
2: just you. Aftermath oh. was the same way, and we hated it.
1: Yeah, I, I had no idea that what kind of crazy decision is that?
2: It was. I was so excited for Aftermath because you know I, I was. I come to accept the fact that we're going to start over. Sure. And stories. And Aftermath was the first quote-unquote adult novel, right? Like hardback. Right. Because before know, the big Force novel. Awakens
1: was was a wide range book. It was not. The, the the EU yeah, type it, stuff where
2: you put to. out kids books, they put out you know all these different things, but, but aftermath was the novel, the flagship novel. Right. And it's terrible. It's written poorly. I know this guy's a more successful writer than I am and, and good for him for making a living, but he's terrible.
1: Well that doesn't mean he's good. It just
2: No. Um it's written in the first person. It is so scattered narratively, it only hits upon our lead characters very briefly. In little segments. It does have two segments that stand out. Two chapters that stand out. Again, it's the only time you see these characters. There's one section with Mon Mothma. Where it actually kind of explains a little bit. Where she is going to propose to the Senate. To demilitarize the New Republic. Mm -hmm. um, Which I actually think is interesting. Because if you look at the prequels. The Republic had no standing army. And the... Because of the war and the clones, they, they got a standing army. And then, of course, when it becomes the Empire, it's all army. Right. It's all army. Right. And so his, so in this, since Mon Mothma was a senator before the Empire, uh, she is going to propose to demilitarize the new republic at least by like 90%. And they don't follow up with it. That's just something she's talking about doing. But I think it's supposed to be a little hint as to maybe the state of the galaxy that we see in Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a chapter with Han and Chewie where they find out something about Kashyyyk and leading you to believe – and I do believe the second book, uh, which is Aftermath: Life Debt, written by the same guy, the one you read the excerpt from, is going to be about the liberation of Kashyyyk. Yes,
1: Because Um, that's how Han, now that Han's got everything wrapped up, he feels obligated to help Chewbacca with his thing.
2: Right. Because the fight's not over. And while I love that idea, Mm -hmm. it's the same writer, and it's going to be in the same style. And from what I've heard, his other books are written in the same style. He always writes in the present tense. Um, I've read read books in the present tense. I'm actually currently writing one. It can be done fine. It feels really wrong for something that took place a long time ago long time ago
1: well i i was like you i was excited about the concept because i I was reading an article about the book and i was like man i never read aftermath but now and i didn't even realize this one was written by the same guy but uh i read the article and it was describing the story and i was like man that sounds really cool you know we we never because one thing that's going to be tough going forward is if they ever retread material that we already know from the expanded universe and this is something we haven't really seen before, uh, you know, Han and Chewie off, you yeah. know, good to liberate Kashik. Uh, and I was like, okay, this sounds cool, this is a good direction, it'll be something different, I'm excited. And then they had an excerpt of, of several paragraphs, and I, you know, I forced myself to read them, but I, I can't, there's no way I can read a whole book like that.
2: And uh, I had to power through it, and I'll admit I skipped. I skimmed a lot. Sure, um, sure. I, I, the other thing, there's also been there was a novel that came out that was a tie-in to the Battlefront game, mm-hmm. uh, called Twilight Company. Um, never finished it; thought it was boring as hell. Um, so so far, and then the novelization of Force Awakens, sadly enough, uh, written by Aldine Foster, was not very good.
1: No, um, I, I and I did read that, uh, but it
2: had it had some cool information and it had some cool changes there's a particular moment at the end of it that i i wish had been in the movie um where uh ray and chewie are getting ready to go find luke and chewie is sitting in the pilot seat getting ready and ray comes in and and ray starts to sit in the co-pilot seat and he growls at her mm-hmm. and she goes well I, I can help i can you know whatever and he gets up and he tells her to sit in the pilot seat. Yeah. And sits down in the co pilot seat, and I was so moving reading the book. I was like, "Why wasn't that in the movie? That's so beautiful, you know. That's such a beautiful moment."
1: To me, and, to me, that novelization felt off spec. He, I, I felt like there. Were, he definitely
2: hadn't seen the movie.
1: Yeah, I felt like there were characterizations that were off, like particularly uh, Finn. Finn.
2: Yeah, Finn was way off. Yeah, and there was dialogue exchanges that felt like artist embellishments, which is absolutely fine. Cause, sure. Um, I'm currently adapting my sc- a screenplay that I wrote into a novel, and if I did it just like beat for beat, the the novel would be like 90 pages long. <laughs> right, um, right, right, Because the screenplay doesn't have a whole lot of information in yeah, it. Yeah, well, so, you got so, a lot of filling out. So you got a lot of a lot of embellishing, a lot of filling out. Uh, but I found it to be disappointing. I think so far on the fiction front, which was always my favorite aspect of the EU, was the fiction. Even mm-hmm. though, you know, there were certain times the New Jedi Order. Saga did not appeal to me very much. I didn't. I read it all. I did not enjoy it a, as much. Um, uh, lately, I would say that it had been getting fairly stale, um, the book sad.
1: I felt but, like – well, I loved New Jedi Order. I, I thought it went a lot of different places. There were a lot – there's uh, one book in particular written by – oh, God, Matthew Stover? Stover, yeah. It's, yeah, he's it's, a, it's about Jason Solo's time when he's been taken. yeah. And, and uh, the I can't remember his his mentor's name right Oh, the dark,
2: the dark Woman? Yes. Louis, no, no, no.
1: Not her. Oh. The Little Creature.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, but anyway, yeah. there there's a book, and the way that it's... Told written, you we
2: were going to go deep, folks. Yeah, right, we were, right.
1: Yeah. Um, the way that it is written is unlike any other Star Wars Expanded Universe book. Uh, I, I'm, I've got to look it up now because I, I can't say I, – I want to say it's called I-Jedi. It
2: no, I-Jedi was uh, about Corrin Horn.
1: Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Traitor.
2: That's Traitor. it. Yeah. Um, okay. It's Traitor.
1: Yeah. It's about Jason Solo and him being tortured, and it's really du- – vergier or Vergier or whatever her name
2: is. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and the whole book is just she was like a, really
2: – like creature or something Yeah there. yeah yeah.
1: Uh it's very dark, but yep. it's so good in the way it's written, it's almost poetic. Uh but the new Jedi Order encompassed a lot of of different styles of storytelling, so many different stories, so many different characters. I, I really enjoyed how big and epic it was, and yeah, it was a little more bleak than I, I care for my Star Wars to be.
2: I just felt like it went on a little too long. It did. Um, it went on. It went on too long, and the the. Uh, but no, I do. I mean, yeah, uh, I Jedi the only mission was a was Michael Stackpole. The late, yes, uh, one of the best. No, he, no he's not dead. Aaron Alliston passed away. Aaron Alliston. Um, Michael Stackpole, which was who wrote amazing X Wing Rogue Squadron novels. Um, but it was about Corran Horn, and it was the first Star Wars novel, first of two, that's told from the first person point of view.
1: And, and that's what made very I Jedi.
2: That's what made I Jedi right. interesting was that it was. And then they just released part of the new EU is Heir to the Jedi, which was a Luke Skywalker book told from his point of view. And I have not read it yet. Um, but that came out around the same time as Tarkin, or right after Tarkin.
1: Yeah, everybody that worked on the X Wing books. My gosh, if that's not one of the best corners of the expanded universe. That took me a while to get into because I was afraid it was going to be overly military-oriented.
2: Yeah, it's not, though. There are a lot of fun. Oh, gosh. And the comics. So many great characters. The comics
1: as well. The comics about Rogue Squadron.
2: Well, and what was great about the comics is the same guys that wrote the books wrote the comics. Michael Stackpole wrote a lot of the comics. Yeah, he is the man. And and that stuff was so much fun, and, and I have such fond memories of the 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 Rogue Squadron books and the Wraith Squadron books, um, any of the further adventures of Wedge Antilles, basically. Um, but it wasn't only him; they, they created a great group of characters around him. Um, but so while I would give the 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 new EU novels a solid D minus so far, or maybe a D, because you know there's been you know uh, what they've been fucking killing is the comics. Oh yeah. The comics have been knocking it out of the park um, because, as we know, since Disney bought Star Wars, that means that we knew it was inevitable. Yes, that obviously, Marvel. would Marvel, and Marvel <laughs> will get it back. Yeah. Uh, now, the last time Marvel touched Star Wars didn't go so well. All respect to Archie Goodwin and all those guys, but it just didn't go that well.
1: Well, it's not, I, you know what? I don't even know that it's. Uh, they were they were very comic booky. I mean, they didn't. They didn't. Have, they were operating in a vacuum. Yeah, they didn't have the aspirations of what later happened with the expanded universe. They were just taking these characters and throwing them into adventure comics.
0: Yes, and, yeah, and it, and
2: it didn't have it didn't have that context of the greater Star Wars universe. It was they were left to their own devices. Right um and and i remember i mean, i read them i mean we talked about this oh i talked about this on the uh other podcast where we yelled about batman vs superman um that before i started reading any like superhero comics i still read gi joe and star wars Mm. and um those were my first comics you know i wasn't i was probably 10 or 11 before i picked up an x-men comic but the um or maybe no. We talked about that on our unaired X Men episode, I do believe. Um, well, which will air because it is which recall. will air when we get a chance to finish it. Right. Um, so we. So I. I did read all of those books. I remember very little about it. I remember Luke had a girlfriend that died. I think on it. it is the only big thing I remember from it. Um, but. The current, so when they said they were going to do when, – when when Marvel announced, yes, we'll be doing Star Wars comics, you're like, okay. But then when they announced the lineup of the artists and the writers
1: – Yeah, that's what sold me.
2: They, they didn't – because the Dark Horse comics I enjoyed quite a bit. But mm-hmm. you wouldn't – but none of the artists, I hate to say, you would classify as A-list talent.
1: Well, here's the thing, though. Dark Horse as a comic book company is the one that provides quality the most consistently. Yes. If, you, if you are interested in what they're publishing, chances are you're going to be happy with it. Uh, there yeah. were some missteps with Buffy, but overall, yeah. Dark Horse, they, they don't care about name recognition. They care about telling good stories and having quality people do it. And that's but what they carried through their Star Wars line pretty much all the way.
2: They do make, they do make most of their living on licensed products, though, on licensed material. Is their bulk of their sales? I would argue, right? I mean, uh, uh, it's Star Wars, aliens,
1: but I mean that—that's definitely you know, licensed stuff is critical. I think for any company because you're going to get <laughs> your, your crossover appeal is there, but I mean you've you're, got stuff at yeah. Dark Horse like Hellboy, um, of
2: course, they, Sin I mean, City they, They've and, got a yep. lot of in-house
1: stuff that they've been very successful with as well.
2: They do. I I, I just would. I, my guess is that Star Wars helped pay the bills for quite some. Oh, stuff. for
1: sure, for
2: sure. Um, and they did a great job, but you would – and while a lot of those stories were great, said I loved all the, the old Tales of the Jedi stuff, I really liked um, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the, the Zane Carrick and all that stuff. I thought that was a fun series. Um, I didn't get as much into the Clone Wars stuff just because I love the show so much more than I like the comics that they made for Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, but they put out some great stuff, Crimson Empire.
1: Well, Uh, the Republican Empire and Dark Times, all of that stuff. The stuff they were publishing right before they lost it. uh,
2: Yeah, during the prequels, especially.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was all very solid
2: stuff. I really enjoyed Dawn of the Jedi for what it was, which was the idea, it was the story of the very first Jedi, you know? Um, And and the novel that went along with that. I thought that was really good. They definitely put out some good stuff. Well, in Legacy,
1: uh, the one that took place uh, 40 years...
2: Legacy One and two, there was a second one too about uh Han Solo's daughter,
1: yeah um, I mean that that stuff was all that very
2: yeah, it was really cool, it yeah. was really cool, um, but I don't think anyone could argue that the talent on those books, especially- at least on the uh art side, was a list, you know, and it, the art was always good, um but I very rarely outside of cam Kennedy and the original Dark Empire stuff, and maybe a little bit, I forget who drew. Uh, is it, who drew Crimson Empire? Mike Richardson wrote it. I forget who. I, I, that I, one
1: I was not as much a fan of. I I would say that Dark Horse name recognition wise, it was not a list, but I think it was absolutely. I personally, I think it was yeah. absolutely a list talent.
2: But yeah, I just I just wasn't in love with the art as much. but um, but I, I, I love John Ostrander because I'm a Grimjack fan from way back, so mm. I loved. Uh, John Ostrander's—he did a lot of Star. He became one of the gurus on Star Wars comics because um, John Ostrander created Grimjack in uh, back in the '80s, I guess, and then he also is responsible for my favorite. I say favorite, meaning the only run on Hawkman that I've ever liked, because <laughs> um, he did Hawk World with Tim Truman, right? Uh, and that was a great series. But when they announced that Jason Aaron was going to be writing a Star Wars book, and John Cassidy was going to be drawing a Star Wars book. And Mark Wade was going to write one. And like all, all of a sudden, these well, guys... Karen, that, Karen
1: Gillen on Darth Vader was the Karen one Gillen, that moistened yeah. my pants the most.
2: Yeah. And they said that, like, you know, we're going to put... This isn't going to be some little, like, you know, we're not going to treat this lightly. We're putting our best people on this.
1: Which I don't I mean, think we expected.
2: No. When, I when mean, I was, know they offered Brian Bendis... A book oh they, but but he said no simply because he said i don't have a story to tell well thank um, goodness for that yeah, so he, he he didn't do it he's talked about that i mean but he is their guy so i mean if he wanted to write a star wars book he could yeah. um they, they're not going to say no to him nobody's going to force you um, to buy it so that's fine yeah no one's going to force you to buy it i i would buy it but it's it's a but what they've really done is they have knocked it out of the park with the comics the comics are fun they're interesting uh there's only been one series that i think was not good and that was the princess leia series unfortunately that mark wade wrote
1: and i'll say i I don't even necessarily think it wasn't good it was just flat it just wasn't very interesting
2: you're right it wasn't interesting yeah Uh, and um
1: but everything else has been fantastic and they've been very smart about they're not trying to launch everything as an ongoing chewbacca had a miniseries that was fantastic yeah, um, they
2: only have three ongoings right Charles, now. Yeah. Charles
1: Soule wrote an amazing Lando Calrissian. Mini the Lando
2: series. Calrissian book is by far my favorite. Yes, Because, one, it's got my favorite artist in comics on it with Alex Maleev. Yes. Um, he's one of my favorite comic book artists ever. And then it told a, an intimate Lando story, but it also was an origin story for Lobot that was heartbreaking. Yeah, It gave Lobot the ball guy – the bald guy with the things on his head. You know, it's yes, funny.
1: I'm I'm actually watching uh, the Blu-ray of Empire as as we talk, and Lobot just made his first appearance on the screen. <laughs> well, he
2: he was he had a backstory in the expanded universe. Yes, um, but I will admit that what Sule came up with is way cooler mm-hmm. and in in sadder and in in just gave him his character. So much depth, and um, and yeah, and and just and and it's got this great twist where the whole idea—spoilers for all this bullshit—um, uh, this great idea that that Lando is always talking about how he's not a fighter, he's not a this, he's not you know he doesn't use guns, he doesn't shoot people, and then he has got a moment of like badass like quick draw, sharpshooting, whatever. And he's like, just because I, you know, he's like, doesn't mean I don't want to use them. I I don't want, I don't
1: want everybody to know how good I am.
2: Right. Like he keeps it under wraps because that's his thing. But then when he has to go at, you know, but he's, he's a fighter when he's got to be a fighter. And, um, I thought that was, uh, really good. So I think the comics have been killing it. Uh, let's let's talk specifically
1: real quick about the, the ongoing series, the main title. Yeah. Uh, by Jason Aaron. Mm-hmm. which, to me, the most... Because di- I, I, I would say, one, I would never want to... And I'm not a writer, but I would never want to take on any Star Wars thing at all, because it's too much.
2: We are uh, different. Because I'm dying into There's <laughs> yes. too
1: much responsibility there. Yeah. Uh, but, to me, it's much easier to do something like a Lando miniseries or a Chewie miniseries, because you're dealing with one character, you're telling a very specific self-contained story... Yes, but to be Jason Aaron, who is essentially, con- essentially, essentially continuing the saga, he yes. is writing everyone. He's writing about the galaxy, about the conflict between uh, the Empire and the Rebellion, and he's doing a fantastic job. And I don't envy him.
2: Right, how he's writing stories that take place uh, after New Hope. Right. And and, and so, so there's not I think there's not as much pressure because he's not being tasked with carrying it past Return of the Jedi. But it
1: still has to work. It still has yeah. to fit in the context of everything that we know. Uh, he has to get the characters right, he has to make the oh, events yeah. work. And everything has to feel important even though we already know what's going to happen.
2: They've already had their giant crossover. They've already had a crossover. I mean, that's how comic booky they've decided to make these. And it was fantastic they already had a crossover, too. and it was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, and then the other Vader down. Was, yeah, and then there's yeah, Vader down, which I would great. say
1: the big the big Vader scene in that. As much as I loved uh, the the finale of Rebels, with him yeah. float on top of his Tie Fighter, the Vader yeah. scene and in the uh, Invader Down. Where he, if you've not read it, I don't want to spoil it, but we get to see the Darth Vader we've kind of always wanted to
2: see. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty badass in it. He's very badass in it. Um, the the, th- the and then the, then the other ongoing, which I don't believe was supposed to be ongoing, right. which is which is the Kanan series, um, which was originally titled Kanan: The Last Padawan, which is a which was supposed to be the backstory of Kanan, who is one of the lead characters on the Star Wars Rebels television show. And it was supposed to be like His Secret Origin, and I think it was only supposed to be five issues. But it either sold well or the writers came up with a bunch of new shit because it's still going. It's Whoa. on like 12 or 13.
1: It had to be both because I'll tell you right now, if a comic doesn't sell well, they do not continue it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, it's the one that I didn't pick up because I just – you can't buy all the comics. You, you yeah. can't. Uh, <laughs> and it had less interest for me. But, yeah, I've heard it's great good. things about it.
2: It's good. It's really entertaining, um, you know. And and it's gotten to the and so now it's got. Originally, it was supposed to just tell the idea of how he survived Order sixty six and became, um, and became this pirate, basically this rebel pirate captain. Mm-hmm. Pirate, how he became Malcolm Reynolds, it's and, right? Um, but now they're going back and telling other stories. They just did like a four part or three part storyline about the first person he killed as a Jedi, and that was the whole arc of the story. And it was great. It was just that they're just finding these little things about his life. And and I, and I that one feels like they're going to keep going for a while because Rebels is exceptionally popular. Well, I'll, I'll uh, tell you. As it you, deserves to be.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you the one another factor in why I didn't pick that one up. If you remember Dark Horse's Clone Wars tie-in comics – were definitely aimed at a younger audience because the show technically was. And my assumption about the Kanan book was that it would be the same way. And that's not to say that those weren't good, but they just weren't as interesting to me because of that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And then one more thing before we move on to the next subject. Uh, They totally blew Battlefront, Uh, the video game. Uh, Video games is kind of the third quadrant of the EU. It is, and, and I,
1: I feel bad that we're we're glossing over. By the them. way,
2: I take that back. Third quadrant actually doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's well, a it does. There, if you'd said yeah, I, I, that's true. I haven't named the fourth. If yet. Yeah, that's if right. you'd
1: said fifth quadrant, then we might have a problem.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, it it is the um, uh, it, it Battlefront was. I love the first original Battlefront games. This new one is gorgeous to look at it feels like star wars you know the the physics of it when you shoot a stormtrooper and he goes flying falls down he doesn't fall down like a real person he falls right. down like a, like a stormtrooper does in the movies but there's but it's a very shallow game there's only a couple maps i remember the original Battlefront game had tons of maps and tons of uh, planets to visit you know the, the current game only has a couple planets to visit a couple of game modes and there's no first there's no story mode In it for those of us who don't like going online and just getting fracked by twelve-year-olds for all day. That's me
1: exactly. And I I played the demo of Battlefront, and I was like, well, I think that's enough.
2: And it looked great, and it was fun. It looked great, but but then you get you keep getting sniped for you know because because at the end of the day, those type of first-person shooters are jock games and in, yes. in in you know Call of Duty and in in Battlefield and all that stuff. They they're I don't I don't mean it as a degradation thing. It's just not my type of game. They're more competitive and, and things like that. And I'm more into story. And I hope they learn their lesson. I guess John Boyega actually got into it a little bit with Lucas Arts on Twitter because he was like, "Where's my first person campaign?" Like he was like bitching at them about not having a first person campaign. Oh really? Yeah, John. John and it, it actually became a news story. I actually saw it like an IMDb news story. Oh about wow, it, you know? that's great. So John Boyega was like, "I want a first person story," you know. So hopefully they they learned their lesson with that, um, and maybe bring us a group because it looked fantastic.
1: Well, what do and, you? Here's the thing. Here here's what I'm scared of because as as much as you know, I worked at a video game store for years, uh, several different ones actually over the course of my retail career. Uh, and I played video games here and there. I played Shadows of the Empire. Um, I, I never did many of the flight simulator ones because that just wasn't yeah. as interesting to me. But no. like Jedi Academy, you know, the quality of Star Wars games has been all over the board. It has been. Uh, yeah. But I, I really loved the first Force Unleashed. It was, to me, a, aside from Super Star Wars and Super I hated, Empire and Super I Jedi. hated.
2: The, I hated the story of Force Unleashed. That was I, my problem.
1: Well, okay. I liked the story, but it was way too. It was ridiculous. the The whole concept of the story was absurd.
2: Well, the concept that that the thing that I found insulting about it was that in the story it is told that the emperor is partially responsible for the formation of the Re- uh, rebel. Yeah, that's, and
1: that that's that that was nonsense. But
2: and that the that the rebel logo was uh, the guy's family uh, seal. Yeah, yeah, that was. That was the stuff that I that, that like retcon shit where I was like, well, oh, no. and, and don't okay. worry
1: because that is safely ejected from canon. But uh, and
2: I'm okay with that. I'm but
1: okay with as, that. as a video game using using the Star Wars setting, it was fantastic. The
2: yes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The, you the, the felt lightsaber like combat,
1: real- the use of the force, all that stuff was great.
2: Yeah, you felt really powerful. So yes. uh, I'm hoping that's our first game. I'm hoping we get lots more. Um, unfortunately, it's EA, which doesn't give me a lot of confidence. No. But hopefully, they get it to the right studios. Um, you know, I would love to see a reemergence of the Knights of the Old Republic series that BioWare created, which were great role playing games. Um, I, I would, you know, I would love to see things like that. Um, but you know, we'll see.
1: My con- but, my but- concern now is that. Those, those multiplayer online games, I mean, that's the hot stuff. And my concern is they're just gonna stick to the hot stuff and not give us smarter, deeper games like Night's The I guarantee you,
2: I guarantee you they are working on a game. I know they are. They have the woman who wrote a lot of the Uncharted, the first couple of Uncharted games, Mm -hmm. which are you know, basically Indiana Jones clones, but they are uh, third person adventure story based games.
1: Absolutely um, fantastic game,
2: and so yeah, great games. I can't wait for the fourth one. Um, I bought my PlayStation Four just knowing that if they ever make another Uncharted game, it'll be on <laughs> PS4, and it's coming. But they, so she's been working on a game that is supposedly more in that Uncharted vein.
1: Okay, good,
2: and good. that game is very exciting to me. The idea because. I played both Star Wars online role-playing games, uh, Star Wars Galaxies and The Old Republic, Mm -hmm. mostly because I just wanted to run around in Star Wars.
1: Well, and here, let me ask you this, and and I don't know if maybe we could get both, but if we're going to have such a game, would you rather, you know, let's say they're going to do an Uncharted-style game. Yeah. Uh, Do you want it to be somebody we know, or do you want it to be a completely new character... Uh, maybe even separate from the events that we've seen, that just takes place in the galaxy.
2: I would rather it be a new character um, that touches on things. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it doesn't have to be like Star Killer, but I, w- right, I would rather right. it be its own its own character, its own story. Uh, because, like I, I read in that thing, you know, as Lucas said, there's thousands of stories to tell. Yes. And I think that making it a new character, but that doesn't mean you can't have appearances by other characters and things just, like that they just need know? to
1: keep that sort of thing from being too heavy-handed it, it doesn't no, like no. if you're shoehorning things in just to be like hey look there's han like the I, galaxy I the that.
2: galaxy's enough the galaxy i think is enough and yes. if they find a good story but again no if they if they have you know and part of the the dissonance comes from if they make it a story starring luke um, and you die, there's no stakes to that. I mean, right. I know there's no stakes in a video game when you die anyway, but, right, like, right. Well, you know, there's something that, like, I don't want to, I don't like seeing Luke die in a story-based well, story because but that doesn't make sense.
1: Here's another thing, and it's something I've thought about a lot playing video games over the years. You know, dying isn't the only fate. Like, there's got to be a way around having the characters die. You get captured, yeah. it's over. You yeah.
2: you lose. That's how they do in Grand Theft Auto, kind of, right? right Grand yeah, Theft yeah. O- yeah.
1: Yeah, you don't you always die in Grand Theft Auto. There are other ways to, around
2: it. You go to, you get arrested. You go to jail. Right.
1: Or, you lose all your gear. Like there,
2: there are. Yeah, you, small, you never do any time. But <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, but there, yeah, way, no, there but are ways I, I, around that. I would just love to see them hit the video games. So we were already in. So we should probably skip to the next topic here. It's time. It's time. Yeah. Star Wars stories.
1: Rogue One. Uh, Rogue One. Which uh, before we talk about the trailer, I want to talk about yeah. my my expectations. I gotta yep. say, I wasn't very excited about this. Part of it came from the fact that I feel like I've read the best, and and well, okay, where does Rogue One come from? First of all, because my, you know, I I am relating it to Rogue Squadron, but that doesn't yeah. work because Rogue Squadron wasn't formed until after. Uh, Jedi, right? So I right, don't... but
2: that doesn't mean it's not a designation they yeah, use right, for right. Other things. You know? I mean, rogue and rebel are pretty sim- similar. Were you know pretty synonymous words, you but know, just, at times.
1: In in reading the description of the movie, I felt like you know what I've I've already experienced the best, X-wing squadron stories. I'm going yeah. to. I don't. But that's know. not what this is. No, it's not. But yeah, I I just I wasn't excited about it. I I don't. I didn't feel like the the. Death Star plans being stolen, which, by the way, let's be clear, Bothans stole the plans for the second Death Star. Uh, yes, I'd like
2: to point that out to people who keep complaining about that. Uh, yes. Like, was it about the Bothans? No, yeah. no, it's not. No, it's not. Um,
1: although, I,
0: guarantee-
2: yeah.
1: I do want to see... We need more aliens... Uh, in, that, the, we, that, in we, the, that we know. Uh, right. We, we yeah. need that in the Alliance, we need that in... The, new movie. Um, the the new movies we we need to see those familiar faces and they did they did okay with it in Force Awakens with Akbar and Numb, although they were literally the same characters uh, Jedi yeah. actually did the best job my gosh that that meeting about attacking the Death Star how many different aliens do we have in that room is fantastic.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I just want, and it's it's not even the need to see aliens; it's the need to see familiar things. No, I mean, well, I'm all for. I mean, there's there's millions of systems, so I'm okay with them. You know, okay, I'm going to use this phrase a lot, and it sounds really dumb when I say they're making stuff up, but I'm coming from the basis of like, you know, like ah, oh, they just made up new planets, right, it's all right. Made up. Chad, Chad, get a grip, get a grip, but. Um, but when they but when they just populated Force Awakens with a bunch of new alien designs, but I didn't see one Rhodian or Ewokian right. or anything in the background at least. Like I want to see parts. I want to see this world be the world, you know. And that's something Lucas and and you know we'll get to it later. But when we did the podcast episode seven, one of my big my biggest complaint at the time I have a bigger one now, but my biggest complaint at the time was that it felt like uh, that they had isolated themselves from the rest of the galaxy and the galaxy felt really small. And by, by kind of having it feel like by having all these, like Mas Kanata and everyone at her bar, like I didn't see any familiar aliens yeah. at, at Mas Kanata's bar. They were all new. And in, in the prequels, at least there are Twi'leks and there are Rodians and there. You know, the Anakin's got a little Rodian best friend growing right, up and, right. and, and, you know, whatever you think about those films, it, it, it was con- consistent with the universe. And with this, it doesn't, I mean, we get a Wookiee obviously, but, uh, it, it, I, I would like to see more of that. Yeah. And, but well, I and, agree. The title of Rogue One was a little confusing at first.
1: And, and for me, I want to see, but because I, and I honestly, this is where the, the line between expanded universe and the films gets a little blurry for me. Uh, it was very much built up in the expanded universe. Uh, the empire's sort of racism or speciesism. Yeah. Uh, And but to the you know the point where Thrawn being a Grand Admiral was baffling to
2: people was a big deal right?
1: Uh, So to me, seeing aliens in the Alliance or non humans in the Alliance is important.
2: However, it's never been established in the movies.
1: Okay, that's that's what I was thinking. Okay,
2: you know the the racism has never been established in them. I mean, Palpatine's master was an alien, um, and the. Alien was non-human. <laughs> they're, all, you know, I know, they're all I know. They're I all think, aliens, depending uh, yeah, on where they're at. Exactly. We'll, we'll, like we'll about... do this from a very xenophobic alien point of view. Uh, yeah, um, that that you know, the idea that the that the Empire is racist, the idea that the Empire is a humans-only club, basically. Um, other than the enslavement of the Wookiees, which is canon pretty mm-hmm. much, um, and uh, other than that, you know, I keep trying to point out to people. When they point out things in The Force Awakens, I'm like, where's that in any of the other movies? Right. That's all they care about right now. And and it's
1: because our headcanon is blurry.
2: It is. It is. And so, but, you know, when people say things like, oh, you know, Finn, he can't use a lightsaber. You know, only Jedi can use lightsaber. Show me where it says that. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't actually say that um, it makes sense. And we've always thought that was a fact. But we thought that was a fact because my Star Wars role-playing game said only Jedi could use lightsabers. But it doesn't, it's never been said on screen. So if it's never been said on screen in a Star Wars film, it's not a fact.
1: See, I don't think that even comes from the Expanded Universe novels because there's pretty, you know, all all the way back to, you know, Han cutting open the Tauntaun, uh, there's been pretty liberal use of non-force users using lightsabers. Now, there have been lightsabers.
0: Different, but yeah, yeah
2: but
1: again and and this is something that was not in the movie but if you read uh, before the force awakens you get the the, the scene of them training with uh, hand-to-hand combat
2: yeah tools. specifically so, him and the traitor you right know, uh, a traitor stormtrooper that everybody seems to love yes um, the yes I mean it's definitely um uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. The title was a little off-putting when I found out it wasn't about X-Wing pilots. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of the trailer? The
1: trailer is fantastic. I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. I think anybody who's saying, another female lead is a dum-dum because I don't fucking care what gender a lead is. Now, no, no. Uh, that, that, in, that is including and up to, I don't think somebody should be cast because they are a man or a woman. I think... If the character's good, I don't give a shit what they look like, who they are, anything, and everything about this trailer clicked for me. I, I was so excited after seeing
2: it. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. No, um, we haven't. Yeah, I, and I, I wish I'd I, watched I it
1: again before we, uh, before we sat down, right. but I, uh, I watched it a lot.
2: I agree with you, obviously, on the female lead, although I I actually think... I don't think you should go out of your way, but I love the, fem- the, the female leads. Tr- trust me, we'll get plenty of guys. Um, but... I think that it it adds something to it um, a little bit. And, and you know, uh, I don't know. There's there's something about it that, that, you know, not making up for past sins, but there is definitely something uh, that feels. Maybe it's because every single thing I write stars a woman. I can't. Ever... <laughs> when I sit down to write a book or a movie, the, my first thought is, all right, is there any reason why this isn't a woman? Well, um, And that's the thing. It's
1: because that's, that's what, I, what you want to write. write. Yeah, you're not uh, doing I, it. You're not doing yeah. it to atone for anything or no, any sense of male guilt. It's because it's, that's what you want to write.
2: I, I enjoy writing female characters, and as long as I that's
1: where, men. as long as that's where the casting and the creating yeah. is coming from, then it's fine. And unfortunately, we're in a spot in society right now where the sins of the past are still very much overshadowing what's going on. So it, it's going to yeah. take us a while, probably not yeah. even our generation, yeah. to get to the point where it's literally. I don't care about somebody's race or sexuality or gender yeah. or anything. I just want a good story.
2: Which is why when it does happen, it still matters a little bit. You're, and you know, you're right. Still, you're right. It, it still has some weight. You're I, right. uh, I love the trailer. What I, what's interesting about the star Wars stories idea in whole is that, and I've, I've said this for years actually, that they could be making star Wars movies that weren't episode blank. Right. right. That weren't part of the saga. And what, What's great about those, and what looks like Force, Rogue One is doing, and what like they're doing, is that they don't have to be the same style. You know, when going into Force Awakens, I thought, this better have the cheesy ass Kurosawa wipes. You know, when, when the screen changes from scene to scene and does the wipe instead of the cut. Um, I wanted it to look a certain way because it's Episode 7. It's the saga. But... But there's stuff for for outside One, of the saga. For Rogue One, it can be like Black Hawk Down. Yes. Right? It can, it, it looks like it's going to be like a war movie.
1: Although and, I don't want too much shaky cam.
2: No, hopefully there's not too much shaky cam, but there'll be but it looks like it's going to be a war movie. It looks like it's going to be like a almost like a heist movie, a, a men, men on a mission, like a Dirty Dozen type of thing. Um that's really appealing to me. It has a but, freaking space samurai. It does. It does, which is great. <laughs> um it's got Forrest Whitaker looking a little bit like he did in Battle Battlefield Earth. Maybe he's making up for some sins, but they One thing that is – but what I was really uh, turned on is probably – not turned on is the right word. Sure. What I was really turned on by in the Rogue One trailer was some of the things that didn't have anything to do with the mission. There is a shot in it, and it's been well dissected, of it looks like it's a a figure in a robe, which everyone's assuming is Palpatine, Mm -hmm. standing in front of what looks like a giant bacta tank. And if people don't know, the back to tank is the, uh, the uh, is the thing that Luke's floating in, and Empire Strikes Back after right. he gets hit by the Wampa, and it, it's kind of a this kind of viscous l- magical liquid in the Star Wars universe that if you submerge someone, it accelerates their healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and people have already broken it down, and of course, the fan theory is that it's Snoke is in there. Huh? Is it Snoke is in the back to tank? Um, and that, that – it's just a fan theory that, like, if it's the Emperor and if that's Snoke, that maybe Snoke is – maybe Snoke is actually his old master or maybe Snoke is just another Force user or something because Snoke is kind of fucked up looking. Yeah. You know, like he's been through the ringer. Yeah,
1: he's been damaged. He's not just a, a, a different-looking alien.
2: He's – so the- yeah, he's 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 damaged, and so you know one theory I saw online that I thought was interesting was the idea that maybe Snoke got severely fucked up, like dead almost, and that he spends like twenty years in the back of the tank or something. You know, like Palpatine kind of keeps him as a pet, but keeps him maybe goes to him for counsel or something like that. Sure, um, all that stuff is speculation, but what I found interesting about it was that there were shots in it that didn't have anything to do with the mission, shots of Palpatine. You know, and things like shots that, shot. of
1: the whoever that is in the white uniform. That could either be a grand admiral uniform,
2: it looks or like it could be,
1: or could be ISB.
2: Right, right, or it could be something we don't know. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But, but, but that, the idea that there, there are things in there that were not just the mission, right, and and that we're going to see. And I, I guarantee. The, and the other reason people think the Snoke thing is that since Star, Wars, since Lucasfilm is now under Disney. And Disney, they've seen the success they're having with Marvel. To not have little tie-ins between these movies, I think would be a mistake. So, if they could set up a little bit of Snoke, who we know nothing about mm-hmm. other than his shitty name and the bad, in the fact that he looks like a malformed, you know, urukai from Lord of the Rings,
1: and that he isn't CGI-wise that
2: great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hopefully he'll look better once we get off the hologram. Yeah. But that. That we don't know anything about him, but it wouldn't surprise me if they drop a little hint about him in Rogue One. You know, like like why not? If you're gonna if you're gonna be if if Lucasfilm is gonna be another Marvel Studios, mm-hmm. right? Which I mean, let's face it, we're gonna see a Star Wars movie every Christmas till we die, yeah. you know, or or till it becomes un- unprofitable, right? Right. And so the the sense that they're gonna try to tie these movies together, I think, would be really smart. And so I'm hoping we get one or two things in the movie that we can relate. doesn't mean we have to. But I like the idea of the Star Wars stories being movies that don't have to feel like the others necessarily, that can tell stories, again, like I read that thing, you know, of from other corners of the galaxy and other characters. And, you know, it's a big place. Um, there are also, I mean, if you notice in the trailer, they're in the temple on Yavin. You know, the base on Yavin. Like yes. Like, They're in the briefing room.
1: It is, and holy shit, Mon Mothma!
2: It's the same actress
1: that that was in *Vengeance of of the uh, Sith*, Sith, right? right
2: right. Yeah, yeah. Who was I think cut out of Episode Two, um, but then was Mon Mothma, and she was cast because she looks just fucking like the actress (laughs) who played (laughs) Mothma. She so does. And so they brought her in again, which I thought was great because for everyone hating the prequels and wanting to ignore the prequels, you know, to bring in an actress that played her. In in Revenge of the Sith, it's like, it's bringing things together a little bit more. Yes. Well, Um, and
1: also I like that, because I think even people who hate the prequels would agree that she was a good Mon Mothma and it would have been stupid to recast her
2: yeah'cause and, and why why recast her when you've got someone who looks just like her and you've got someone who's done it and it keeps continuity you know yeah. and 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 so and but she's in the briefing room where they give the briefing for how to blow up the death star in the first movie okay you so know? on but, the
1: brief- in the briefing room there yeah. is a, and he's apparently one of the main people in the movie there's a guy with a mustache that when I saw him, I thought was biggs for sure <laughs>
2: right I right.
1: have read since that the timeline for that does not work um uh, no but uh, people do not... not know who his character is right
2: um the timeline well here's
1: the thing based on a deleted scene the timeline does not work but based right. on but the movie we... who knows right exactly we don't yeah. know how yeah. long Biggs was gone uh yeah. I would love it if that was Biggs I wanna but I think I'll be okay if it's not I mean I'm not it's in not nice... like I'm gonna be
2: like damn it in 95 or 96 I was in college I know um Dragon Con had their first uh, – and for people, Dragon the a big comic book convention in Atlanta. Uh, if you want to uh, meet the troublemaker, he's there every year in correct. multiple panels. Yes. And uh, the, the I missed miss,
1: Con Con, Con game game show show.
2: I will get back there someday I miss it quite a bit uh, It's it's also, I will say this, the best party con in the US sure. um, If you if you want to go to a great con But then also have a great time in after hours parties And you don't have to be famous to get into the after hours parties Go to Atlanta, not not San Diego um, However uh, I remember in 90, 95 or 96 They held their first Because it was as the Expanding Universe was blowing up mm-hmm. So it was probably 95 And they held a giant Two day Star Wars trivia contest two full days where it was like it was a field of like it was like a hundred people in the room you know and you had to answer questions and then it whittled it down to like the top 16 and the next day the top 16 came in and did and and did questions and 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 it got down and it came down to me and this other guy uh and i ended up winning and if they looked at my score i totally ran away with it Um, and, and everything to the point where the, or the woman who did it says, if if we do it next year, uh, I would love you to help me organize it, but I don't want you to play. Right. Right. They actually asked me not to play the next year. Yeah. Now they said the next year they were trying to get Anthony Daniels to co-host it. They said, how about you co-host it with Anthony Daniels? Oh my gosh swear to God, they said, and, it, and it never happened, but they said, like, we'd love you to, like, maybe co-host it with Anthony Daniels. We, we would love you to help us well, work on the that, questions.
1: That right there is a fantastic illustration of what Dragon Con is because yeah. if you yeah. go and take part and you're great, you're going to end up being part of it.
2: Well, no, and I, I just and – and it was Expanded Universe, too. It was asking questions about the size of Star Destroyers and the names of Thrawn's Star Destroyer. Right. You know, so it was, it was beyond the movies at the time. It was a fully inclusive – eu thing um and so the uh so i just you know it it, but but yeah mentioning uh biggs there was a lot you know i just remember you know the question that that only a couple of us got which is what was the ship that biggs was assigned to before he jumped uh onto the empire and things like that and so there are those little kind of corner things but you're right if we look at the movies who knows um so what do you think is is
1: he some new guy i think he's probably some new guy Uh,
2: um but it, it would be awesome. He just looks or, so much like him, and maybe he is, and maybe, and that would be fucking great uh, because it, it, that would be that would be amazing. Um, well, it would I be. Why
1: tra- why would you make him look like Biggs but not have him be Biggs?
2: Yeah, no. Especially
1: that's with the Mon Mothma casting and their awareness,
2: and they're um, at Yavin, and they're right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, they, and it, it very well maybe. Um, I thought the trailer looked really cool. I think Felicity Jones looks great. Um, I, I there so I, I, people I know were split on the uh, I uh, were rebels right? I rebel. This is rebellion. I rebel. I think that line's awesome. Yeah, I, that's great. I, some pa- I know some people that are a little who didn't like it. They thought it was a little cheesy. Um, I was like, it's nope. Star I already Wars. like her, and I already like her. It makes I, me like her. I want cheese in my Star Wars. I, I, I know, and I think she. I think she. She's a great kind of a Han Solo-y character in a way, kind of yeah. always breaking the rules type of thing. I'm sure she has some kind of backstory, which will show why she's passionately fighting against the Empire or why she's always getting into trouble. Well, I'm sure she's an orphan because, it, again, it's Star Wars. Oh, sure, um, sure. Well, what
1: do you think the setup is? Because there's, I've read some debate about the setup. To me, watching the trailer, what I took away from the trailer was that she was some kind of uh, poss- thief or troublemaker or or something... Yeah independently operating like i don't think she's part of the alliance i think they grab her and like recruit her forcibly
2: i think that's possible i also think maybe she's i don't know she's the the wild card she's the loose cannon type of you know maybe maybe she's already in the alliance but she keeps getting in trouble or or something you know i mean there's a, a couple ways to interpret the way you know the way they um the way they present her. Uh, mm-hmm. I think yours could be absolutely right. I also think she could be, uh, she could be someone who's in the Alliance, but keeps getting into try. I mean, I almost imagine a scene where like she gets into a fist fight in the commissary, yeah, you yeah. know, with other yeah. pilots, with some pilots or something, you know, like she's like, she's Maverick. She's, 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 you know, she's, uh, uh, Murtaugh. You the, this know, is, like.
1: This is the mission the Ritz, where I mean. you're either gonna straighten up or die, so. Right, yeah, yeah. It's it.
2: kinda your, la- your last chance type of mission, you right. know, like, you know, but, but you're also the only one crazy enough to fucking get this done. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, it, obviously there's gonna be more to it than stealing the plans. Um I gar- I'm almost guaranteeing that the movie's gonna end with, with the Tanty Four. I would hope you for. know with, with the tr- them transmitting the data to the Tanty 4 and maybe all dying or something in the process but mm-hmm. like them getting the information to Leia I mean if if it doesn't end with the Tanty 4 I'll probably be disappointed because that would make the most sense um, to like hand it off you know uh, to say like and then they gave the data now go watch episode 4 again right um but I mean, you can't help but get thrilled by that shot of them running across the field and the AT's firing oh my at them.
1: Gosh, yeah,
2: that's that's amazing. We're gonna get a lot of battle footage, and that's something that the original movies don't have a lot of. Um, you get the Battle of Hoth and the Battle of Endor, but as far as like war footage. Um, there, you know, and, and, and the fact that this is a war, and right. and they're fighting, you know, military against military. I think we're going to get a lot of that. Uh, I haven't read any speculation other than, you know, little things. But I, I I'm, the trailer definitely sold me on. I mean, I was going to see it. But, I mean, who, who are we kidding? We were going to see it. But yeah, yeah, it sold me on the idea. Um, even though, like you said, in the expanded universe, how the the plans were stolen is actually well established in the in the expanded universe. They've actually told that story already in the uh han solo trilogy um not the not the brian Daly books but the ones they came out with later by right. ac um because the death star plans were actually stolen by an ex-girlfriend of han so ended up becoming a rebel convoluted but it, it, which it was is, there
1: which is that a little too cutesy tie-in that i'm not quite, fond point, of. Yeah,
2: quite possibly yeah i mean i like the character a lot um but but yeah no i agree uh, I think it's going to be fun. I, I said, you know, you know, my friends have been calling it Black X-Wing Down, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just... I it's,
1: don't think it's that, though. It, it's because it it is... They can say that it's going to have a darker tone all they want, but yeah. it's still Star Wars. And, no, and just counts. from it the trailer, to... yeah. you know, it's still going to have that tone. It's still going to um, be an adventure flick.
2: I have heard, you know, and this is something I want to get into, but I ha- I have heard that you know, there's a possibility for a Vader cameo in it. Yeah, in yeah. It. Um it obviously it looks like the Emperor's gonna be in it. Um whether they get Ian McDiarmid or not, we don't know, I guess. But um
1: I would hope I, well,
2: so. I would hope so. Unless we only see his back, then okay. But I mean fuck, bring him. Ian McDermott was one of the things that he was still great in the prequels. Oh my so God, why not why not why not bring him on? He's
1: um, fucking scary, dude. And when then, when but, the Jedi... I've just got to say this real quick, because yeah. I, I love this... I, you know, I can sit down and talk yeah. about things I like about the prequels, but the scene where the Jedi go to arrest Palpatine, and his switch...
2: Yeah. It's ...is great. fucking creepy as shit. And all of a sudden he leaps across the table with his Yes, in and that head, scream,
1: your, that...
0: Nyah! Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, I yeah. love it. I love he it. He just turns into a pharaoh animal. Yes. Um, uh, the one thing that... It, that brings me to with the Star Wars stories is um, well obviously then there's also the Han Solo film where they've they've done this giant huge casting search thousands and thousands of young men they've been reading um, apparently they've narrowed it down to one or two uh, for who they want to play Han Solo I've always argued it's a it's a mistake only because who can replace Harrison Ford um, you have to get that casting you can't miss
1: that's and that's cast. my and well here's the thing I don't think they will miss but. No. I, I just don't know if I want to see anybody else playing Han Solo. I, I, how many um, other stories can we tell, and maybe just leave that alone? Which is not happening. It's not an option at this point.
2: It's true. Uh, Lord's Kazin's writing it. He says it's the last thing he's going to do for Star Wars. I think that you know, I, I if 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 you ask me whether or not to make this movie, I'd say no. Yes. Uh, but I'm sure when I see the first trailer, I'll get stoked. Yeah. And and if they – here's the one thing. One thing that's never been dramatized in hundreds of books and comics and everything, what thing that has never been dramatized ever is how Han and Chewie really met. We've been told anecdotally, mm-hmm. and we have kind of a vague idea of how they met, but it's never been dramatized. So I would love to actually see that. I kind of would like to see that. As a Star Wars nerd, I would like to see how Han and Chewie hooked up. Um, maybe when they start, they're already buddies, you know. And we just get like a heist movie or something, um, which you know, which would be a lot of fun. Um, the only in the, the the only danger and the biggest danger to me about Young Han Solo is, and I've said this before, you're only now you're 33 percent of the way towards recasting the originals, right? And I don't think they would ever remake the originals, but that doesn't mean they can't make shadows of the empire with different characters with different actors you know that they can't go back to telling rebellion era stories right if they recast young versions of all the actors again i really don't want to see that so i hope they keep it you know young indiana jones chronicle style you know or like well, this is just the young version and you
1: know, you know? what honestly it's it's disruptive because up yes. to this up to this point there have been no major characters played by different actors.
2: No, I mean, other they've, than you know ones that have to be like Anakin and things like right, that. that have but to they've be. never
1: recast anybody, but this kid isn't going to look like... We know what Harrison Ford looked like when he was in his 20s. He's not,
2: he's not going to be that much older than Harrison Ford. I mean, he'll be a little bit younger than Harrison Ford, because Harrison Ford was already but in his But it 30s. is disruptive yeah.
1: in the sense that that's not... Yeah. Harrison Ford and the guy can do a great job and you know the movie can be great but, but like I mean, you it, said if it was up to me they wouldn't be doing it.
2: No but I'm going to hold judgment but, but one thing I wanted to bring up about the Star Wars stories I think is interesting and in, in real quick um, that we should talk about and then we'll get on to the toys real fast because um, I want to hear your point of view on that is that um, uh, potential ideas for other Star Wars stories and I don't want to go on a big list but there's three characters that I think they could really milk um, and because these are eternal characters.
1: Oh yeah, the six the six titty dancer from Jabba's palace. You could milk the heck out of her.
2: You could actually, yeah. And, I'm and sorry, feed, I feed hate a to small go there. Family. <laughs> you could feed a, feed a small family. That's absolutely fine. God, I don't even remember her name. I know Ula is the hot dancer. I don't know what the big Malakili one is called.
1: Um, is the rancor trainer.
2: I can't he is. Remember he the is. Name, Malakili. Though. Yeah, he is. All right. 40. Anyway, who are your three characters? So who can we? The get? three characters that I think are eternal, and there's a reason why. Vader yoda and boba fett because you don't need an actor sure right because it doesn't matter who the actor is Sure. one could argue you need frank oz but in general those are characters they can tell stories with forever well you don't need frank
1: oz though because he didn't do yoda in uh clone wars
2: right yeah no and they have yeah they have another guy doing it um in clone wars but the idea that those characters, because they are aliens or behind masks or behind helmets that you could keep telling stories about those characters forever, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in, in a way that you can't with Mark Hamill and you can't with Carrie Fisher and you can't even with, with Oscar Isaac and those guys. Like, I mean, you can, you know, 50 years from now, you could still have a Darth Vader movie, right? Because Darth Vader at the end of the day is a suit. Sure. And so the things that I'd love to see out of Star Wars stories are twofold. One, the one thing that I I keep pushing on some people, Yoda is nine hundred years old. <laughs> we could go back five hundred years and tell a kick-ass Yoda story that would in no way interfere with the original movies, you know. But still tell a badass Yoda story that that where we get to see him, uh, you know, kind of maybe at his prime, and we get to see there's just so much time there that we could we could actually what go back in the history of the galaxy while still having a familiar character as our centerpiece. And I think that's something that could actually be interesting because there's so much history there with him and we know nothing and I know that's intentional mm-hmm. but seeing a little bit just seeing a little adventure that Yoda had a couple hundred years ago, maybe as a way to see the Jedi at their peak, you know or, or and, you know because when we come into the prequels the Jedi are already kind of on the decline, if we would see like a Yoda story where where he's off on an adventure and you create other characters around him and everything, um, I actually think that would be really cool because I said it wouldn't interfere at all with anything else. Yeah, and and it would allow you to see a different era while keeping a very familiar and beloved character front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're still working on a Boba Fett movie. We've talked about this. It's very simple how you do a Boba Fett movie. You just rip off the Terminator. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't make Boba Fett your lead character. You have new lead characters, um, and Boba Fett is coming after them. Um, you know, the Terminator is called the Terminator, but Sarah Connor is the lead character of the Terminator. Um, Boba Fett, he doesn't have to be the lead character. He just has to be the lead threat. Right. Uh, in that way, they can do it without softening him up.
1: And, and that's the thing. Is I don't want Boba Fett to turn likable, which, as yeah. much as I loved Karen Travis's books, and she never quite turned the corner of making him a hero, no. Uh he did become a little too relatable.
2: He, yeah, they gave him a daughter and things like that. Um, and then... Uh, and then, and then with Vader, I mean, fuck, you could, well, you know, it would be real easy to do a Vader movie. Well, you we're know? doing the, an
1: incredible comic right now that right, is right. I mean, depicting but Vader even, in ways I never imagined.
2: Yeah. Um, the other thing I'd like to see real fast in the Star Wars stories, um, and if you have any ideas, but oh, I've, one thing I've that,
1: got one, and actually I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there because we've yeah, got to go go right. move on. Yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. I want to see Scarface, but with Jabba the Hutt.
2: <laughs> there I you want, go. I yeah. want to see how, another one. Yeah, I want to yeah.
1: see how Jabba comes to power.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. I would that would be love really love to awesome. see that because I and, then, and you could get a lot of familiar faces in there too. Yes, and, and I'm enthralled
1: yeah. by the underworld because at and one you know, time they were talking about doing a show about the underworld. Yeah, uh, set in Star Wars, and, it, and you uh, know what
2: yeah. you could do then? That's a good place to use young Han Solo.
1: Yes, uh, that uh, would be
2: a good movie to use the young Han Solo actor. And and, and you, you know? know what?
1: For all we know maybe that's what young Han Solo will be maybe that maybe the story we'll see is him how he ends up with the death to Jabba it could be we'll see um, the, the Kessel Run we'll see you yeah. know
2: and the one thing to throw out real fast is that Marvel has been what Marvel is doing um, and I know you're not a fan of the X-Men X-Men movies the recent X-Men movies but um, with day, doing Days of Future Past and Marvel doing Winter Soldier and Civil War um, they're starting to do straight up adaptations of stories mm-hmm so the one thing I would love to see them do with the Star Wars stories, and this may take a while because it took Marvel a while to get to this point as well, is to do adaptations of EU stuff. Is to take just like they're going, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is its own thing, and in the comics don't matter either. But they are doing adaptations of arcs from those books. I mean, even Iron Man three was kind of a half assed adaptation of Extremis and in. And, uh, and obviously Civil, and apparently the word of Civil Wars, it's amazing, but it's a pretty close adaptation of the comic series. So I'd love to see them maybe dive into adaptations. And that's where I get into, like, the old, nice little old Republic stuff or anything like that. I just think they could use stories that have already been written, um, to tell stories. And I think they might get there one day, just like Marvel has finally gotten
0: there.
1: I, uh, well, we're, but Marvel... We're I mean, Marvel really isn't adapting. They're taking concepts and and uh, applying yeah, but them in Soldier, different ways. Winter Soldier
2: is pretty, you know. I mean, the idea with Winter Soldier is pretty solid. You know, it's pretty close to Brubaker's run, and and um, and I think Civil Wars, you know, even though the what encourages Civil War is different, I think that I think it's going to play out pretty. You know, they're at least doing adaptations. Days of Future Past was an adaptation of, of a. It's not even that it's one for one, but they're taking you know, established famous stories and adapting them for their... <laughs> their current the X-Men
1: universe. movies, they're taking established famous stories and fucking them up, but... Uh,
2: well, we'll get to that when we finish We, we certainly okay. will. we got to move on to so the toys. So I want to move on to the toys because you know this more than I do because from my point of view, the toys have been a clusterfuck. So I want to hear what your point of view is on the, the toys, toys because been I, a, I've been disappointed.
1: The toys have been a clusterfuck because Disney would not allow Hasbro to know anything about the movie. They sent them a bunch of character concepts and said here are the characters you can make figures of. You can't tell anybody anything about them. You can't give anybody any context and you can't announce anything until a month before launch. Uh, okay. Hasbro was working utterly in the dark on the Force Awakens toys. Really? Uh, okay. And Disney is for some reason... Intent upon keeping this veil of secrecy over the toy line. We're not finding out about figures until very shortly before they hit. Uh, with, as far as movie related stuff goes. So Hasbro is very, very handcuffed by what Disney is allowing them to do. They had a picture of Ray. They had no idea how big her part in the movie
2: was. They, you know, we're we're
1: lucky there were any Ray toys. To kick off
2: well yeah and i wanted to ask you about that too but the i own the only only ones that i have bought are the six inch blacks mm. black series ones um just because i think they look cool i finally got i did find an ahsoka because um, they just put out a uh, adult ahsoka tano and a kanan yes um ones and my comic book store got them in and instantly uh Here's one of the flaws of becoming friends with the people that, you, that sell you things is they know what you'll buy. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I got a, I got a text from my friend going, uh, "We got Ahsoka and Canaan in. They're already behind the counter for you." I'm like, "I'll be in this afternoon." <laughs> um, and they're great. I love them. But and they finally put out an old Han Solo. Yes, right. They are, they finally with, put out with a,
1: blonde hair.
2: For some reason, not with gray hair. Yeah. I kind of want to. I kind of want to get out some paint and paint him. But the. But but from my point of view, um, I understand that before the movie comes out, that they wanted to keep the characters limited, you know, to, to what you see. Uh, I actually appreciated that that you know that there was no Kylo Ren. Where, now there's a Kylo Ren. I think you can take his mask off, or they're making one or whatever. But yeah. I like I appreciate there wasn't one before the movie. Um, uh, I, they did a lot of things like that. Like I don't know if you remember when Phantom Menace came out, when you bought the uh, score, there was a track that was like. Qui Gon's noble end, right. or whatever. Yeah, it and you're spoiled like, it. And the score came out like two weeks before, right? Um, with this movie, they lo- the score came out day of. You know, the novelization came out day. And, of.
1: And I appreciate that, but here's yeah. here's the thing with the toy line. Typically, a toy line has about eighteen months of lead time from is initial, that
2: what, is that what it is? Initial
1: okay. designs to hitting the shelves, uh, okay. if not more, depending on what it is. Because yeah, I don't know
2: about the inside
1: hasbro just didn't have anything to work with and that's actually my concern going forward uh, now granted hasbro's not producing what i collect anymore so right. yeah I i'm know still I know. i'm still watching all of this and and fortunately yeah. i do have an eight-year-old son who adores star wars and who uh, you know is collecting so i'm still in it right but I'm very concerned now if Disney is going to maintain this secrecy, and we're going to get a movie every year. Are we going to get these somewhat unsatisfying lines that don't have all the characters we want? That uh, doesn't have the variety of the old. Because the thing is, they're going to have to refresh the characters we know every single time. You know, we're going to get Hans, Luke's, Leia's, Vader's. They're they're from going the to be,
2: old old version, right? Yeah, they're the, going to the be trolls.
1: they're going to be evergreen. So yeah. We're not going to get stuff like you know the background characters from the cantina. Those days are probably gone, and that makes me very sad.
2: I I guess my problem is even just from the ones that I'm getting. I I, more, I just want, and this sounds. I understand not putting out an old man Luke figure before the movie, um, but goddamn it, I want an old man Luke figure now. You yeah. know we know what he looks like. It doesn't matter what happens in eight. I just want old man Luke. Like he looks like at the hill where as Sean says where he looks like this old you know Celtic druid standing on a hill. And typically
1: um, by this time we would have seen pictures of him. Oh, We'd know when he was coming.
2: I want old Leia and I want old Luke. Well, old Leia you know? is
1: happening, but we don't know yet what oh, form. We don't know yet what format she is because there's okay. there have been pictures, but it hasn't said if it's five points of articulation, if it's six inch, if it's the okay. the ones that I collect that they're unfortunately the doing as Walmart exclusives. Right. Uh, but anyway, Hasbro's got a tough road. Star okay, Wars yeah, that's, that's what I was end. asking.
2: And, and real fast, I wanted to hear your opinion on the "Where's Ray" movement.
1: Uh, I, I, I
2: know you have opinions on on on, on that kind of that angle on toys. I but. am
1: really tired of people who don't understand how the toy industry works, uh, and who don't understand really how capitalism works. Yeah uh, being upset about these things, you can you do it, but you do and, understand
2: from an outsider point of view, though.
1: And they are under informed because, uh, Ray, like I said, there's a very good reason why. And the thing is we had lots of Ray figures. We if did. just because a character's not available in the exact format you want, welcome no, to don't. the real world.
2: No, I have a six inch Ray. I have um, no problem with that. I, I, I I just wonder if you if you if you're able to see it from someone who isn't deep into toys, how and I'll use the other example, um when they came out with the Quinjet for Age of Ultron, right? That has the motorcycle the motorcycle that drops down out of it that was the something movie, to get and angry Black, about. In the movie Black Widow's riding it. And then the toy Captain America—that
1: was something to get angry about.
2: And they put out but, those like big six packs of twelve-inch figures for, for for Avengers, and they have Ultron in them, but they don't have Black Widow. And but, so it, I think it we, compa- if, I think the Ray thing compounded on that.
1: There are plenty of Black Widow figures. The problem is people who like to get excited about these things will take pictures of the things that make them angry. And never yeah. acknowledge where Hasbro is filling the need with the mini figures and with like yeah. they're picking and choosing what they highlight and they're harping on the things that they know will get them clicks on the social media because yeah. you can go bl- buy a Black Widow figure. I mean, now you certainly can because they've got a new set of those twelve-inch figures that has Black and, Widow and, and they put her um, yeah. But the thing is, back when all these complaints are going on, you can buy a Ray. You can buy a Black Widow. You can buy all these characters. It may not be the yeah. exact one you want. It's not that they're yeah. not out there. It's that they're not being made in formats that people won't buy them in. And by people, I mean kids and their parents. Yeah. Because that's yeah. who these people yeah. are selling toys to.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just think that there is a um, a concern. I mean, like I said, I understand you know way more about it than I do. So I, And I get the capitalism aspect of it. Uh, for me, it's just been... Uh, how to put it? Uh, when I talked to the the owner of my comic book store, and he said that when he, he, they were Age of Ultron shirts were you know put in the catalog for him to order Age of Ultron shirts before the movie came out, he said that none of them had Black Widow on them,
1: and that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And that they had
2: team, team shots. that yes. even had Quicksilver in them.
1: That to me is inexcusable, and that is a yeah. different situation. And, and from he the didn't order.
2: And he didn't order any of them because he just used to order it.
1: I mean, we we need to have, and and we we've got eight minutes left.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we All can right,
1: either continue yeah. about this. No, or... no, let's
2: move on. Let's move on real quick to Force Awakens, okay. and then we'll wrap
1: it up. All right, so okay. Force Awakens. Uh, I, I mine is quick. All I've got to say is I bought the Blu-ray. Uh, yep. I'm somewhat underwhelmed by the features, but the movie yeah. itself. Uh, I enjoy just as much. I did not find any new gripes about it. Uh, I still dig it. I've watched it twice since we bought it and it, it's still holding up. I don't have any second thoughts about it. Okay. It's part uh, of the movies.
2: I have a real quick one, uh, real quick. Uh, I, I said I listened to our original podcast. I ended up only seeing it the one time in theaters. Um, which was strange for me. I thought I was going to see it about 12 times. I only saw it once. And it came down to, and you know this. It came down to one moment near the end of the movie that really hurt the movie for me badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's the famous now. Now, now people have talked about it, but it's the moment where uh, Leia and Chewie don't even acknowledge each other after Han's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's actually a shot where Chewie just walks right by her, and um, and I just and, and in it, it. I noticed it in the movie, but then I caught got caught up in the the moment where she hugs Ray and they bring in the John Williams score. Um, But on reflection, I was like, she's never met Ray. So that's weird. Um, Even though I know there's probably other reasons, but, I got really angry that there was no moment. They didn't give us that moment of catharsis between Han and between Leia and Chewie, who are basically in-laws and who uh, have been friends for 35 years. Right. They've just lost the most important person in their lives, mm-hmm. uh, and it to me it, it showed a lack of understanding of the characters. However, J.J. Uh, Abrams has come out and said that he fucked that up. He has actually said that in an interview that he missed that. So it actually makes that scene easier for me because now I feel, I know that he feels shame when he sees it, mm. so I feel a little better about it. Um,
1: and we'll get a special edition where
2: they fix it. I would actually be okay with that. <laughs> um, I, uh, having bought the Blu-ray, uh, I agree with you the deleted scenes were very underwhelming, and I know there are more that they did not release. Um, that that uh, that having watched it now three times um, – and uh, once with my wife, who hadn't seen it yet, and twice on my own, uh, I've come to like it a lot more. I, I liked it when I saw it, and then my lo- my like of it faded over yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, As I As I kind of picked it apart a little bit in my head, I can't help it. But watching it again, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the thing that stood out to me other than that moment, which is still – Wrong. Um, my original criticisms of the world feeling too small, I think stand. I still think that the world building in it is kind of sloppy, mm-hmm. um, and it feels and then the world feels very tiny. I other have and and I give. Noel brought this up on our podcast, but it kind of got glossed over because me and Sean talk a mile a minute. But um, is that Finn? Finn's characterization bothers me every time I see it, and. It's not that I don't like John Boyega; I love him. It's not that I don't think he gives a good performance; I think he does. He still does not feel like a guy who has been taken, who was taken at birth and trained as a soldier his whole life. He he does not feel like that guy. So he's a great character who, in no way, matches up with his background. Yeah. You know, when he asks Ray if she has like a cute boyfriend, I'm like, that doesn't. No, he should be more reserved at least at first right you know he just he seems too animated he seems too he seems too john boyega and and I, I say that as someone like i said who loves him and loves his presence and can't wait to see more of him in the movies no i get what you're saying but it's just like he should he's basically a clone
1: he's he's too playful he's too worldly um, too much jargon like he, I, I, and he's I,
2: too worldly he knows about these animals that the Rakthars or whatever. See He's that?
1: Like- no, that doesn't bother me because that would be part of stormtrooper training. I feel like. Yeah, I, but I when feel he goes, like-
2: have you ever heard of the Trillium Massacre? And she's like, No. He's like, Good. He just he just knows a lot. I'm not I, saying that he I would have, know some I don't have a problem with a his.
1: I don't have a problem with his knowledge because I feel yeah. like, taken by birth, uh, the the First Order is going to teach them history. Is going to teach them about you know I guess, animals yeah. of the galaxy like that stuff is fine it's he's a little too glib
2: yeah it's just it's just he's not you know i mean listen if the first woman you ran into was daisy ridley you'd probably be happy too but <laughs> all right we got to
1: we got to move on uh, john yep. boyega did a fantastic job he's going to be great he in did. the future once we're past uh, maybe yep. a little awkward but
2: news. uh but yeah force awakens i like it more now than i did uh, a couple months ago so um, I'm definitely more on board. Well, good, good. Um, and,
1: I, and I totally understand, all or understood, understand, whatever, all the gripes that you had with it. I never discounted.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm glad and, and that I, and it's settled in someone. for
1: you. I'm glad that it's yep. settled in. So episode eight, the inevitable. Episode eight coming uh, in a year and a half, or yep. a year, year and eight months, I guess. Yep. Uh, I have no freaking clue... What to expect? I, I, you know, I have speculation, but honestly, that would have to be a whole other podcast.
2: The only thing that's interesting to me is that when they they put out that video announcement that they were starting filming, um, and that Daisy Ridley put out the thing where she and Mark Hamill are doing their scene on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting because every other Star Wars movie between movies, it's been years. Yes, and this looks like it's going to pick up right away.
1: Yes, um, which, it, which it is, almost- is a change. Well, and I'm glad because it, if it does pick up immediately, which, which it seems that's going to be the case, then it means they're not going to gloss over whatever training Snoke is going to be giving to Kylo Ren, whatever training.
2: Uh, well, I also want to hear that conversation between her and him and Ray. Yes, like I, I'm, I,
1: there are things that I wanted to see that I felt like we probably weren't going to And now it seems like we're going to, and I'm very happy
2: about that. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea what it's going to be about. Just none. Uh, The the only word is that they were rewriting, doing a little rewriting to uh, beef up the roles of the new characters from the first from seven Mm -hmm. because they didn't expect people to like them as much or something. I don't (laughs) know. It's really weird. They were really unprepared for how much we would love Ray and Finn and Poe. They were really unprepared for that. I mean,
1: imagine how scary though. All right, we got to wrap this (laughs) thing up, man. Sure, of course, of course. Chad, where can we find you online?
2: um twitter uh chat at chad j Shonk, all one word um my website chad you can buy my book proxy on amazon for kindle and paperback and my movie dakota sky is available on dvd um and that's about it and i should have i'm currently working on a novel based on dakota sky that um, I'm hoping to have it out by the end of the year, but I have a baby due in July, so maybe next year, um, <laughs> time-wise, but that's about it. So, well, uh, yeah. And I am going to be taking, as of May the 4th, I am going to be taking a Star Wars break. Um, I'm going to not read anything. I'm going to buy the comics. I'm going to store them. I need to take... Uh, and some of the one thing that we didn't hit on in, in real fast is I, I don't want to burn out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I'm going to have to take a break for a little bit. Well, and- I'll tell you
1: what. We'll save... Uh- We'll save the the burnout conversation because we will end up talking about Star Wars again before Rogue no, One absolutely. comes out. Uh, we will talk we'll about the real, when we get
2: a real trailer. Maybe we'll talk.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on and talking Star Wars. Absolutely. And uh, we have hours and hours more Star Wars talk in our futures. I am
2: sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll do. We'll do a sequel sometime. Absolutely. All right, man.
1: The Phantom Troublemaker Patreon page is live. You can go there now and choose how much money you want to contribute to support the podcast, the website, the game show, all of the stuff that I do. And I have just posted the first patron-exclusive episode of the Needless Things patron cast, which was not an entirely planned thing, but what the patron cast is is for those of you that do dig what i do and want to hear more about what's going on and and maybe just some random thoughts from me that don't fit into the context of the needless things podcast uh the patron cast is there for anybody contributing five dollars or more a month so if if you want to support the show if you want to hear more then head on over to patreon.com phantom troublemaker and uh Sign up and contribute anywhere from a dollar to whatever you want, but five bucks enough up gets, gets the sweet perks. Uh, you can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please share it, uh, rate it, share it, do all that good stuff. You guys know by now what goes into promoting a podcast, so help me out here. And if there's something that you want to talk about, something that you want to hear about, drop me a line at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. And we'll see what's up. And and I'll tell you this, if you send me a message as a patron, it will definitely get priority treatment. You know what I mean. So, uh, that's all I've got this week. We had fun talking about Star Wars. Next week, uh, I believe we're going to be talking about Marvel movies. And uh, I I haven't even set that one up yet. I've got two episodes past that recorded and ready to go. That's how things work.
0: May the force be with you
1: always. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears
2: of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at NeedlessThingsSite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.